This is coming for everybody. If people you know don't what? stand up now. Hello and welcome to episode number 143 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, March 15th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac. We're over the weekend, over 30 shot, four dead. Eh, it's just a typical weekend. And from America's left coast, where I weathered the latest Windows update with my audio settings more or less intact, I'm Ryan Bemrose. Yeah, I mean, I heard all about that on the no agenda show the updates messing with audio settings and i was i was i was ooh, i was cringing because i have the same device the motu that adam curry the podfather uses and my updates all came and got installed and everything still worked so i guess i'm lucky you're doing something wrong i guess i'm doing something wrong because windows 10 has been nice to me and I should knock on wood or whatever we got here. Cause yeah, you, you know, it's, it's just building up. It's, it's biding its time. It's biding its time. It's biding its time. It's, yeah. It's, it, it, it will exact its price in the future and you won't like it. One day but I'm going to reboot now, and it's just going to be like, Oh, nope. For now, let's just consider ourselves lucky. We're podcasting. Yes. We are lucky. We're broadcasting live on the no agenda stream, no agenda stream.com Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern. It's the place you want to be in the troll room and listen along live where people can tell us we're right, which is rarely what happens. They usually just tell us we're morons. That's that's what I prefer. I know they're not catching on trolls. You're supposed to be nice and you're supposed to make it so us podcasters can do a better show for you. But I digress. I, I, I didn't. I'm sorry. That was when did the mission statement change? What we're not supposed to do a good show? It's we're supposed to keep doing what we've been doing. I, well, I I mean I just okay. Uh, so I I hear there are new some new stories. Man, there's a lot of new stories. I just went into that segue with an axe. Yeah, well, sometimes you just have to cut things down. Sometimes you have to kick the door down. Sometimes you you could just try the handle first. But what fun is that when you can kick the door down? There's been a lot of stuff happening in the news that I keep thinking to myself. You know. We talked about this on Grumpy Old Ben's and we yeah. were right. It's it's the so this is going to be one of the I told you so episodes. There could be a few of those coming along in this show. And there's been some. I mean, who um, are we kidding? That's all of them. Right. Well, usually, I mean, people don't always listen. Sometimes they think, well, you're wrong a lot. They say there was another comment on no agenda social. People bring the facts, which I enjoy, but I, they don't understand. Like with your copyright argument. You just pick something random to argue and then stick with it because it triggers people. And it's, you know, if there's a better reason to do anything in this world, I don't want to know what it is. And I have to say, there's a lot of people that listen to our show that listen to the no agenda show. And yesterday, I really thought they were kind of moving into our territory. I thought there might be a rage quit. Oh, are you are you talking when? When mommy and daddy were fighting. Yes. They hate when you say that. John and I hate when people say that. (laughs) It's always fun. 
it's always fun when there is a you know adam is mad i've heard this a couple of times over like the last year or two where you can tell he's mad at john because then john will say something like well what else you got and adam's like no what do you got and it's like okay (laughs) now we know it's getting serious uh you know what it happened i was going to give them a pass i they 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 know what happened. They don't need they don't need us reanalyzing. No, and they understand that it's entertaining and people latch on to that. And whether the podcast hosts like the tension when that kind of stuff happens, I think the people listening do. So it helps. It helps. Well, the that's podcast. because the people listening are a bunch of maladjusted psychos. <laughs> How you doing? You sick, twisted trolls. That's about the best way you can. Uh, isn't that isn't that how the value for value model is supposed to work as you insult your audience and then they send you money? Right. You yeah. you spew hatred at them and then they spew money back at you. That's so that's, that's dating, isn't it? <laughs> so <laughs> yesterday and I'm, I'm yesterday you decided to send me a bunch of stories and I'm like, why are you sending me all these links? And I start clicking on I'm like, we talked about that. But we talked about that. We talked about that. Wait, why are you? Oh, this is the we were right segment. And uh, the the first one you sent me was on the deep fakes. Yes. <laughs> well, this is something because there's a lot of people when we originally talked about deep fakes who kind of figured they were never going to be involved with something like this. It's it's you know, it's going to happen to the president. It's going to happen to big time actresses and stuff when people want to make it look like they're in porn. Now for the president, usually it makes you want to make it sound like he's saying something, you know, really horrible. In this case, it was a bunch of cheerleaders. You, you don't need it. You don't need a deep fake for the president. Usually no. Well, Joe, now it's, it's the deep fake would be to try to make him sound cognizant and coherent. <laughs> and, and you know, they got people working on that. Yes. When the day, the day Joe comes out and is like, hello, I would like to speak to you about, and you'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? And it turns out he's speaking in Obama's voice. <laughs> yes, they forgot to turn the filter. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That's when that's when the deep fakes fail. But I think they're they're getting decent. And I don't know exactly what was sent here, but the your mind can fill in the blanks on this because this was a psychotic cheerleader mom who We've seen stories like this before that would do nearly anything to try to help her daughter get ahead. And all the stories mention that they don't believe the daughter had any knowledge of this. And that's kind of irrelevant in this fact. I'm not sure I believe that, but that's not really the big part of the story. The story is I I, kind of do, actually. I mean, everybody has that one friend where like, uh, you know, your mom's crazy. And she (laughs) says, yeah, I know. Just. Deal with it. it. I, I did. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to ignore it. I, yeah, I believe. I believe she probably didn't know. Now the story was the mom created pictures and videos according to the story. Now to do deep fakes, photographs really easy. Photoshop makes that very easy to take somebody else's head and put it on somebody else's body in a very convincing way. Videos are a little bit harder but there is software out there that can do it or you can pay people that know how to do this which may be the case because one of the other things mentioned was that cheerleaders on the opposing teams were getting 
messages from an unknown number, threatening messages, which, of course, you know, when you get threatening messages, you go to the police and then they start investigating. And this is how dumb people get I really caught. Know. When I get threatening messages, I just block. Usually. Block. block. Depends how many and what yeah. the pattern is. You know, if everybody on a particular cheerleading team starts getting them, you go, huh? Yeah. I wonder why this is. I mean, if, if I get a lot of messages that are all, uh, you know, I'd like to buy your house. I'm like, uh, okay, you know, Bring how many cash. millions are you going to pay? Yeah. But, you know, Bring- you get a, hundred, a bunch of messages that are, uh, you know, this this Nigerian wants to send you money. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. The threatening Sorry. messages, though, came in from a number that was bought from a service that provides numbers to your telemarketers from all over scammers all over the world. So the woman was smart enough that she realized she could purchase a number. Now, I don't know how she purchased the number or who she purchased the number from, but she was texting messages obviously without going on a VPN. And I, mean, I don't want to tell people how to commit crimes, but if you're going to threaten people, don't let it get tracked back to the IP address of your home computer, which is what happened, which is how she got caught. But the reality is she took photos and maybe had somebody do the videos because doing the videos is hard. I've looked into this right when all this started. We did the last show on random thoughts a long time ago, and we did a show on deep fakes a long time ago. The way you do this with videos is you need a lot of facial shots of the person you're trying to recreate from a bunch of different angles, because that's how the AI puts this together. Still photos, very simple. But what she did was sent these to like the schools of these girls and that and tried to get them all kicked off the team. Some were nude shots, which I mean, that can get you into some really big trouble. Others were just putting the girls in situations where they're like drinking and smoking and that kind of thing. Uh, which which they probably were, but they weren't the real photos. Right. Now, I mean, if, if they're normal teenagers, they're probably doing it anyway. But yes, this is where the concept of making up evidence. I know I've harped on this a bunch of times. It's getting scary because you can't believe anything you see online or anything that's provided to you in digital form. Now, there's a lot of parents that would just believe this if you they got a photo sent in an email or a random text like uh want to see what your daughter was doing there's a lot of parents who would believe that and there's a lot of schools that would be you know how do you prove that wasn't you in a photo so this the concept of being proved you know that you're innocent until proven guilty i know that's been changed recently just until you've been you know, accused well, of that, something that changed with cancel culture, but we're not talking about that here. Well, this well, it, it kind of morphs into that, but this is some very bizarre stuff. And this just to me brought home how this technology can be used to totally try to screw with somebody's life. Somebody that's totally innocent of everything. These cheerleaders just cheering, I guess, whatever cheerleaders I, do. They're, they're high school kids. They're not innocent of everything. Well, no, but of whatever they just might this not be was. guilty of what they're. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this but this is it. It's like when somebody loses their job, which is the same, like you said, with the cancel culture, this is where it's going. So yeah. if, you know, your job has well, there was recently a story of a woman whose children were kicked out of their Catholic school because she had an OnlyFans page. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't really get that but okay this is where the cancel culture on all sides is coming from and so if you have a job 
that it's a, you know, part of your contract, whatever, if there's a morality thing in your contract, you know, you can't do X, Y, and Z. And then somebody well, wants to all, take that's you a down. Terrible contract. Yes. Yeah, so I wouldn't. Yeah. But some people have those. I wouldn't sign that, you know, or it's just the company policy. And then they are provided with what they believe is a real video or a real photo of you doing whatever that is. And you get fired. We, what recourse do you have? How do you prove that's not you? And on the other side of all this is the other problem, which is we could have a video of, you know, Progo stabbing somebody and he just goes deep fake. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, what? Could I think is- that that's a much bigger problem. The, well, yes. The, I mean, deep fakes are, are going to, they're going to go the way that, uh, you know, back in uh, 30, 40 years ago, we had the ability to take, you know, I, you could see, eh, where am I going with this? Um, old spy movies from the 80s. Uh, what, what's the one I was thinking of that had uh, like uh, Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd? Uh, well, there sneakers? Was, yeah, there were sneakers. Yeah. And then there was yeah, anyway, the, the farcical anyway, one they, spies they like had, us. The, yeah, they had plot points in those movies because the technology existed back even in the 80s and got better and better in the 90s where you could take somebody's voice and stitch together a bunch of words and create what was effectively a deep fake of audio and you couldn't tell that it wasn't them because it sounded like them that was the plot point of a bunch of movies uh we got to that point it, it became popular culture now people know that it is possible to take somebody's voice and stitch it together what that means is that anybody today who hears an audio recording of somebody saying a short sentence that might sound like it's choppy or, or, you know, chopped up either that was recorded off of NPR where that's their editing style, or it might be a deep fake. Either way, you should be skeptical of it, especially if it came from NPR, but we just know as a culture that certain things you need to be skeptical of. And the, the danger of the point where we are right now with audio or with, with image, you know, not so much with uh, still images. Cause we're kind of getting past that. People know that Photoshop is Exist. a thing and people can right. get past it. So, but, but with video, we're still in the area where somebody looks at this and says, well, it's a video. It can't be faked. And, and that's the dangerous point. But five years down the road when it's commonplace and there's a, a, a drop in software that you can just, you know, that comes with windows and you, you know, or what, then people are just going to know, okay, well it it's a video, but I should be skeptical because it could be faked. It's, it's a, an image, but I should be skeptical. Skepticism is very healthy. And I feel like that is a problem that is at best temporal. The one that bothers me the most is the well okay then what can be trusted right and i don't know what what comes next in in proving somebody did something and i think people don't understand the effect that that has on a society when you get to that point which is everything you can see or hear unless the person is standing right in front of you you can't believe it if you're watching it on a screen and listening to it through a speaker you can't believe it's true. That is, I, that's big. I, I mean, it's not, that goes way beyond deep fakes. The same is true of, of news stories at this point. Well, that's, well, the news is if, rarely yeah, true. If you read about it on the New York Times, you can't believe it's true. No, that's absolutely the case. There was a story I saw, I don't know if I don't, I may have had it on uh, here for today, where the Trump EPA did such a good job when you actually looked at the stats, 
how much they had lowered carbon emissions and all of that. But the media never covered it. And the guy that was the head of the Trump EPA, I believe it was, said he had a conversation at one point with somebody from the New York Times who flat out told him we will never run a positive story about Trump. So it doesn't matter what you do. So um, I don't know. I. Okay, I just had a wild thought. What if it's actually a good thing that people have to go back to? The only thing you can trust is is what you can touch and feel with your own and and social media just gets to a norm in society where it's like, well, it's online and therefore I don't believe it. And you have to go back to, I don't know, interacting with people around you, your family, your neighbors, instead of of living in a bubble and just I, I right. this might be a. This might be a weird Kaczynski fever dream again. It, well, I get it is from time to time. Because I don't know if people can ever get there. But these, there was another story too, where there was a petition going around in the UK, which got over a hundred thousand, you know, online signatures. Now I don't know how they verify that these are all people from the UK. <laughs> but I, I can generate a hundred thousand online signatures. Give me a moment to type up a script. Right, but this was on the UK Parliament website or whatever it is. And you, people, if they want Parliament to consider something, they can create a petition. And if over a hundred thousand people sign this on their website, then Parliament at least has yeah. to talk about it. And what and, is and, and I have I have no doubt there are people out there with scripts to generate a hundred thousand signatures on the Parliament website, unless they have some way of trying to. You know, I would assume there's something built into that. But then again, we just this heard again government. of about how Obama's Obamacare site cost over two billion dollars. So we don't really know what governments are doing but in this case allegedly over a hundred thousand people in the uk want to make it a law that you have to have an id verified for you to sign up for any social media account online and yikes that and and yet you don't need ids for voting i know I mean, you do in Mexico and in Canada, but it's racist. If you ask, you mean places that have democracy, Yes, places that (laughs) are worried about elections being on the up and up. So I I mean, I understand this is where we're going to try to verify things like, oh, well, let's make it so we have to have an ID tied to an account. So that way, if something happens, then we have somebody to blame, somebody to put in chains or whatever you're going to do. If they post something that isn't legit, but that's still then you have this whole problem of accounts being hacked. We've talked about how many millions of dollars in crypto have been stolen because people break into Twitter accounts of celebrities and be like, send me your crypto and I'll send you crypto back. And it's something that happens all the time so the hacking thing's never going away either it's an interesting idea but before you even get to whether or not a legitimate account is being hacked you know what is a legitimate account the the devil's in the details and i don't think that that a law like that would be workable at all uh you know at the very first question is who does it apply to does it apply to every forum does it apply to you know we we ask for people when when they post a comment on grumpyoldbins.com on the WordPress site, we ask, hey, you know, please provide a name just so that you have. And it doesn't have to be your real name. We just right. ask you for a name. But would this law mean that we would have to get a photo ID in order to allow people to comment on our WordPress blog? It would sound uh, like what, it, yes. Yeah. Where where I mean, where does this go? That It sounds completely unworkable. And then, you know. It, uh, completely unenforceable too in terms of how how do you 
keep people from faking it? How do you keep, how do you keep people? I, I can think of, yeah, just, just the very first implementation I think of, which is we're going to ask you for a photo ID to create a like, okay, but I can find databases of photo IDs online. Right. Or create one. Just had a photo. Yeah, or I can make a database. Yeah. Speaking we can go back deepfake. to our deep fakes. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, speaking of deep fake, that's the same type of thing that would happen there. And I have to say, photos. This person does not exist. I can create a, a program that generates a hundred thousand fake IDs from right. just scraping that site. With right. And then you have the the uh site that shows you the fake people that were generated that you could just put one of their photos on and boom. You have yourself a brand new human resource that you can put up on these sites and Photoshop with this started at the end of last year and they just had another update that came out and I've been looking at some of the new features in Photoshop and they're getting really interesting. Have have they added the feature that every file that you create now has your user id as a digital watermark so they can trace back to who photoshopped something you know i am worried about that and before i would post anything online i would actually uh save this as a the photoshop as a jpeg whatever you're saving in photoshop and then use another program to then yeah generate strip all the exif strip all the yeah because yeah there 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 are programs out there that will strip all of the exif, all of the metadata and everything. And even if you're not planning on creating deep fakes, it is worthwhile to use those simply because, uh, you know, if, okay, suppose you trust law enforcement to not be corrupt, which is, uh, I'm not sure that's a great idea, but let's suppose that you trust that, that all of the legitimate government uses, what happens when that picture that the Karen down the street gets a hold of it and she has an ax to grind because you didn't cut your lawn on the right day. And now she uses the information. It, it's, it pays when you release stuff like this to pay attention to privacy and basic sanitation of privacy is if you edit an image, you go ahead and strip all the metadata before posting it online. That would always be a good idea and understand what information you're putting out there. That was another thing we talked about big time when it came to privacy that a lot of people don't realize that their phones, which have GPS on them, if the setting is default, usually, but you want to check that. We'll Every save. photo you take has GPS coordinates. Yes, we'll save the GPS coordinates in the data of the photo. So it's like, don't just share that online. And on the social media sites, there are but some it's so easy to just push the little share button. I know. And not understand exactly the amount of information that you're giving up. But this Photoshop stuff, these new filters, I mean, there's some stuff that's just, yeah, okay, it's interesting that will automatically detect what is the sky in a photograph and then change that. So if the sky is boring, you can add a little bit of oomph, which, okay. Are we talking like adding another moon or like totally changing the color, the clouds, you know, what time of day it is? And it does a really good job of it in just the few photos that I tested. I was kind of surprised that it worked as well as it did, because then you could even change. So if you're looking to darken something up and wow, that sounded totally racist. But if you want to take a photograph, (laughs) which was a bright, sunny day and then add like storm clouds, you can then use the same filters, press a button and it will change depending on which clouds you chose. 
everything in the photo. So it will darken the things up, change the color. Okay, I was going to, I was going to say just like an alpha channel change of the sky would be easy, but changing up the, the shadows on people's faces and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's it doesn't weird. make sense to have storm clouds overhead and then like right. bright shadows of, <laughs> of your nose going across. Yeah. That would not be a good deep fake. That would not be, but there's other things which they are in the filters. Now that Photoshop is calling their neural filters, which they do things like makeup transfer, which also works oddly well. So if you take a model from a magazine that's, you know, has a crazy makeup job and you take somebody else's photo who has, you know, little or no makeup on, it will take the makeup off the one and put it on the other, which weird. But I can understand. Yeah, does it actually take the makeup off the the first one or it recreates? I mean, it's digital. Okay. We understand. <laughs> Um, oh, so it doesn't actually send people to the model's house and be like, okay, we, you and the cold cream now. That would be awesome. That This is how we do <laughs> this feature. It takes about 50, it depends where the two people are, but we can yeah. do the makeup transfer off one. They have a colorized black and white feature now, which I put a couple of photographs in one of one of the all time greatest baseball players ever, Minnie Minoso. And the end result of just pushing a button was scary good i mean people used they, to charge a lot of i mean money. how does it how does it pick what colors to use this sounds I like no <laughs> like if you know. asked me to color a christmas scene uh, yeah i don't know because it took it didn't know that the white Sox logo in this photo was red so i, I mean i understand that but it there was blue in the sky there was i mean the other colors were relatively spot on and i'm like okay well this is weird and then i took a photograph more recent of taylor swift from one of her little artsy black and white photos and colorize that and again very close to looking natural i mean you could always do a few little tweaks here and there but the quality of the work was amazing to me again in the past i have colorized photos and it's painstakingly a long process especially with shading and everything else it's not an easy thing yeah. Pick picking what color it should be is one thing, but but then picking that color and applying all the right lighting and yeah, and this just did it. So I was amazed by that. But the the weirdest thing that they offer now is something they're calling smart portrait, which it does some of the work in the cloud, which is worrisome for uh for me to begin with, depending on what kind of photographs yeah. you're working with. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not sure that I would agree that it's smart to be pushing your processing out to the cloud, but maybe, maybe it works for you for part of the processing of this. Now this can do things like there are sliders. I mean, this is for people that just want to do something down and dirty, but there are sliders. So if you take a face shot of somebody, you have a slider that says happiness. Now, if you move that up, their face starts turning into a larger smile. If even if they're not opening their mouth at all, you push it enough, you start seeing teeth. And you start and this seeing is, this is again only on the picture. It doesn't actually correct. Like, you can't use a slider to change their happiness, can no, you? Now that would be good. They could actually charge a lot more. I, the if drug they could companies would really want to control that technology. Yes. Yeah, well, you just wake up in the day, you get onto your phone, and you're like, "Well, how happy." Would I like to be today? Yes. 
Uh, that well, you'd have to unlock that on a daily basis, you, and it you, would cost. You did. You did though make me think uh, of. Uh, 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 what a feature that actually might exist in Photoshop now, but would be very, very controversial, which would be a slider like that that changes skin tone. Yeah, well, that's there. That is. I mean, it's is all. It? Yeah. And now here's the I thing. Mean, can that, you can you blackface a photo? Now, there's a, I have a whole nother story about digital blackfacing from all the people sharing memes of Oprah Winfrey after the big interview. And I guess oh, that's yeah. a no, no, which uh, I didn't quite understand. But I looked at a couple of YouTube videos on these features because i figured there were people that were using them that use photoshop more than i do and i was like okay how how is this working out and it was interesting to me that of the three videos i sampled and i don't know before i start these they were just the ones that youtube had at the top of their search results when i was searching for adobe neural um, filters now all three were white folks that were doing this and all three of them were showing off the neural filters on photos of black women, which I thought was really interesting. You know, it's like, is this, are we picking this because we think we're more diverse? You know, we want to, it's, it was just well, a very, I, I, if they're, if they're all photos of black women, then I'm not sure that diversity is what you have in that data set. No, maybe none, but that is also one of the problems we I, have. I, with I, the, I mean, I mean, I would want diversity when you're showing off something like this, because who knows? I I might want to use it on real people, some of whom have dark skin and some of whom have light skin. And I'd like it to work on both. And before I make the decision whether to use your stuff, I'd like to know, does it work on people of different types? Now, in their FAQ, Adobe does hit on this with the question, how is Adobe handling inclusivity and biases? And they say, okay, since the gallery is used mostly on portraits and the filters are based on new technology, unforeseen results can occur with respect to inclusivity and biases. Adobe is committed to ensuring inclusivity and equity, equity, not equality and equity. If you experience any biased results, please contact us using the feedback mechanisms. We're always improving the filters. I I, I can translate what you just read. Okay, please don't cancel us. Right. If our if our filter accidentally yeah. we, we didn't actually test this on every human on the planet. So if you encounter something that we didn't test, please don't cancel us. Just right. just give us a chance to make it right. Yeah. And I mean, again, the stuff that they're doing in this is weird. You can change where the person's eyes are looking so you can move them from left to right, which has some very freaky results. You can actually slightly turn the head left and right. So this is something when it comes to the deep fakes, this was immediately what I thought, which is you can make this look like a different photo, because normally if you're taking a deep fake, somebody would notice, well, look, that's the same exact face from one to the other. It looks exactly the same pixel for pixel. But if you could change things even remotely and be like, okay, cheerleader who looks like she's doing something bad in this photo, show me the original photo she used. And you can't because it's now been a photo that's been changed just enough to where it doesn't match. And I don't know where we're going with all this kind of technology, but I think it's something to be very aware of the fact that Photoshop can now change all of these things. You know, are your eyebrows up or down? Which way are you looking left and right? You can change where the face, where the gaze. It's all not perfect yet, but it's showing where we're going. and. It's to me a very scary place. I, and I think that the, I mean, 
the technological aspects of this are fascinating, but I think the most interesting is the sociological aspect. What does it do to our society that this that this technology exists? Well, we know and, the Instagram already, the effect of that, which is, ooh, everybody wants to look like they're having a better life. Yeah. Everybody wants to look yeah, better. Well, the, the the sociological aspect of Instagram adding filters is now every single person who wants to take a selfie every five minutes has has cat ears and whiskers on their thing or, or whatever, you know. Uh, OK, actually, the creepiest filter I have ever seen is you've seen the ones where they run the filter that makes your eyes bigger. It gives you like anime eyes. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. when you put them on a real face is just about the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Everybody looks like Gollum and thinks that that looks good. <laughs> Well, it's just being a part of the you're following. You're one of us. You're in the you're in the club. You're you're yeah, one, one, you know, what's next? People are going to start getting surgery to look like that. Well, some people do. I mean, some people have done the one. <laughs> I remember the, the story a few months ago where the woman went blind from tattooing her eyes. It's like um, not a good yeah, idea. That, that uh, funny when you introduce ink into a, a carefully calibrated lens for moving light. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Not a good idea. But also part of this. With I didn't a, even like to wear contacts. Oh, I know. I hated. I've tried contact years ago and I did not like them. But also in the FAQ is Adobe collecting my information and what types? Because, again, with these neural filters, when you say some of the stuff goes out to the cloud, I have no idea what information is being sent out. If it's just sending data, you know, or if it's actually sending a copy of the photo, which, again, privacy, you might want to know. It says that Adobe collects anonymous behavioral data clicks like slider drags adobe collects images anonymously when you include them in your feedback and will not associate these images with a person or user <laughs> right uh, adobe collects yeah. data for the purposes of optimizing the machine learning models to generate better results so you know just using the word data it feels like that right there is already whitewashing how dangerous some of this stuff can be. It's not, you know, saying, uh, you know, it's, it's grabbing your, your name, your location, your IP address, your, uh, you know, hair color, uh, images of your entire setup and all of the stats. If, you know, that, that can be very, very frightening. And then you just say, well, we just collect data. It sounds sterilized. It sounds simple. And it's in every single privacy policy. I had uh, a, a game that uh, came out in uh, 2012. Borderlands 2 is it's one of the few games I still play just because it's an amazing game. And and, you know, Gearbox came out with Borderlands 3. And frankly, I wasn't impressed. So I went back to the old one, which was awesome because I'm not the only one who did that, judging by the fact that they released an update that put giant banner ads on the front page of the game that said, please, leave, please run our Borderlands 3. But they recently put out a new privacy policy and they would not let you go online unless you hit enter that. On, on this, you know, 40 page document of here's all of our new terms of service and everything. And uh, I, I read through it and let me tell you the, with, with a, uh, tiny scrolling window with a game controller in your hand, that is about the worst interface for reading a long ass legal document. But I went through and it was all sterilized information and, and lines like, uh, you know, we collect data, we aggregate and you know, a bunch of things that kind of make your mind shut off when you see the word aggregating data. But 
uh, when I kind of decoded it and dug through, like I, like I try to do with GOB stories now, I'm like, okay, these people, I, I, you know, and I, I, I didn't compare to the previous one. So I don't know exactly how much of a change it was, but I'm like, okay, so these people have just decided that their terms of service is any information they can get from you which includes anything you ever give to their website, your email address, your, your login information. It, it collects, uh, you know, dates and times of how often you're in the game. And it's a, the, the policy is basically any data that they collect, they have the right to do whatever the hell they want. Give it to people for advertising, give it to people for, uh, you know, uh, analytics, give it to anybody they want you hand it over to the government with or without a warrant. And I'm sitting here going, this is a terrible, terrible policy. And I will never give information to these people. I mean, they already have information. Like I probably play this game too much, but it's all couched in this legalese document and, and covered in terms like, uh, you know, PII and, uh, analytics. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, the, this language has been carefully developed to make sure that people don't realize just how much they're giving up. Right. Because they might be horrified if they knew. <laughs> and then they'd be like, I don't want to do this. But I mean, and of course, I said yes to the terms of service because I wanted to continue playing online. Right. But fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is I mean, and when you start doing things like having conversations while you're playing the game online, you know, talking to the, I mean, a lot of these systems allow you to have the audio communication with somebody else. Is that all part of their, do they, are they recording this? I mean, everybody just thinks uh, the Microsoft does anything you say on Xbox chat is in fact recorded because if somebody clicks the little report button that says, you know, and, and then they say this person used a swear word while I was in a call of duty lobby, then Microsoft will go check that out. They'll listen to the recordings of your voice of your chat while you were in the game. And then they'll, you know, they'll ban your account or whatever it is they decide to do at their sole discretion. Yeah, they record everything. Nothing. I'm pretty to be sure PlayStation about. does the same thing. Yeah, nothing to be worried about. Nothing at all. Just give up all of your data in order to do the things that these companies provide. But the answer, I guess, is never play an online game ever again. And which would be actually that's kind I, I, of like your advice with Twitter. It's like, well, why are you still on that? Uh, because I want to be. On that, it doesn't mean you got to like it. It, but. it is. I mean, that's that is one of the reasons why I still play games from 2012 is that that was right about the end date for when games were still released that were at least partly self-contained and would run on your system instead of, you know, every single game that comes out now has a dedicated online component where you have to sign into a cloud account in order to get past the title screen. And I just it it, it creeps me the hell out. Well, it should, because you don't know where this data is going. Again, people have gotten fired for less. We had a guy in the Chicago area, he made national news. His name was Mark Gian Greco, was the sports guy for decades here. He's 67. I mean, he was getting ready to retire anyway. But he said to a woman that he's worked with for a long time, and I believe this was on the air. Her name is Cheryl Burton, and she's a uh, black woman and probably in her 40s or so. He made the comment that, oh, you know what? You could really play the ditzy, neurotic person on one of these uh, makeover shows as far as like, I think it would not makeover as far as makeup, but like, you know, doing a, a home remodeling, yeah. that kind of stuff. 
And uh, she complained and that got him canned. I, I think we should call the makeovers. I think we should call those remodeling. That would be. <laughs> well, it yeah. is. They're, they're of- models that you're doing it to. So. Yeah, we are remodeling, but this is where we're going. So when this kind of stuff, people are like, ah, I don't care. Well, okay. So if your data is now in the hands of this company and something you say while playing the game was maybe a little politically incorrect or you got mad and you said a bad word, maybe and, you- and anybody who's ever been in a Halo or Call of Duty lobby, uh, the, the very idea that anybody could say something politically incorrect is, is and, yeah. And when this when, audio when you gets have, sent when you to have your a- employer. The, the, well, when, when you have the voice of an 11 year old telling him how much he's going to fuck your grandma. <laughs> well, the 11 year old, see, that's the other problem. The 11 year old will never get a job once that audio comes out. Even when he's 20, 30, 40 years old, it'll be like, oh, wait. Yeah, there's proof when you were 11, you said this. So I, we, we can't. If there yeah. is any justice in the world, perhaps we can't allow you to have a job. Um, the world is going down that slippery slope. You can't ever say something that other people don't like. You can't make a mistake and you can never, ever grow from anything. I don't quite get it. But the, uh, as I said, that story of the Oprah memes, I just, it reminded me, well, I guess we could just give a little bit of information. It was a nonprofit organization that I've never heard of, the Slow Factory Foundation, who's warning white people, this according to Breitbart, that they are engaging in a factory. The Slow Factory Foundation. Yes, this, this sounds like the terrible name for a factory. Anyway, it's like it's, we 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 produce things very slowly. Yeah, yeah. The like slow we're f- we're terrible at producing equipment. Please, you know, get contracts with us. No. Yeah, if we speed things up, we'd make too much. I'm but sorry. White people are engaging in a phenomenon they say known as digital blackface by posting memes that feature black people in them. So now they're trying to make it. So you're a racist douchebag if you're white and you dare. Oh, so so slow factory, actually, they're the slow doesn't describe the factory. It describes the people in charge of the factory who it, are all idiots. It would seem that way. You know, this to me just went back to the rap music concept that I had, which is, you know, the way to make sure white folk that your kids never sing a rap song. Don't let them listen to it. Because that will get them into trouble. Like you think that would work? Will get them into trouble. The do you think banning your kids from doing anything really works? No. Well, it's banning them, but telling them that your life will literally be destroyed if you accidentally sing one of those songs. So you probably want to avoid it and never learn the lyrics because that will get you into trouble. That can keep Uh, you from getting jobs. That can keep you from getting into college. Telling people that their life will be destroyed if they, you know, just stick their hand into a running chainsaw doesn't even work with all kids. What makes you think they can grasp the the third and fourth order effects of social media? I don't know, but I think you kind of have to try because this is even worse. So it's like now if we can't post memes of black people as a white culture, then you probably don't want to consume any movie that has a black person in it. Because you don't want to accidentally like well, something and go, well, I might actually, oh, oh, I posted a meme of Oprah. I really like Oprah. And I posted a meme. Oh, I, yeah, I'm racist now because I posted a meme. I don't, I don't quite get it. I thought equality was the thing, but now we're in equity and I don't quite understand the rules of this equity that you, every, so much is off limits now because 
Why? But, but equality and equity is, is not, I, I mean, obviously that's what they chant, but that's not where a lot of, a lot of the people who subscribe to the, the cult of wokeness, uh, it, you know, equality is just the stepping stone that they want until they get to the, the real end goal, which if you're charitable, the real end goal is two completely separate cultures, which is, is the utopians who think like me and the deplorables. And in, in practical terms, that's not even what they want. What they want is the complete utter destruction of everybody who doesn't think like me. That's really the problem with wokeism is that there is no room in it for anybody who is not an adherent to the church. But see, even people that think like them can't use the meme if they're white. So that this is kind of a weird, uh, kind of well, a weird if thing. You're white, obviously, you can't think like them. You're not allowed. You should be canceled for that. May I read the definition from the Slow Factory Foundation of what they call digital blackface? <laughs> Can I stop you? No, probably not. It's an online phenomenon where white and non-black people share gifts and photos of black folks to express emotion or reaction to anything happening on the Internet. While seemingly harmless, the problem with digital blackface is that it often reinforces negative stereotypes about black folks, such as they're aggressive, loud, sassy, and simply here for your consumption and entertainment. It is another way people try and co-op black identity and culture without any of the day-to-day realities of being black. One of the most powerful tools that you have against an idiotic ideology like wokeness is, is to point out the absurdity and the, the inconsistencies of it. And, uh, you know, trying to point things out logically doesn't fly in today's world because nobody is taught how to critically think, but what does work and is kind of the most powerful tool that anti wokists have is, is making fun of them. And you know, what, what's the most common way to make fun of things on the internet today, making memes. (laughs) So if, if you are a wokest whose feelings are hurt by anybody challenging your way of thinking and the most common and most cutting way of challenging your way of thinking is satiric comedy in the form of memes, it makes sense that as long as you're, you know, dominating the world culture anyway, you have to go after memes. And they have to cancel, cancel all memes. Well, it started. Remember that they were, they've been trying to make this a copyright issue, which we all do. It really (laughs) wasn't a copyright issue. No, no. In fact, what was it? uh, A couple of years ago, they went out and found the original author of the, uh, the peppy frog artist and convinced him to file a bunch of copyright claims. And eventually he's like, I I can't control this. I can't stop it. And it just, it, it went on. Yeah, well, because, again, you don't know where these memes started, as you pointed out. Once things like Photoshop or whatever people are using, and I know this is not going to happen immediately, but I'm sure this is what a lot of people would like. Once these things are tagged with something that can lead them back to the person that created them, that's going to make it very dangerous to do memes. That is not going to be a good thing. Yeah, it's. And and we're already at the point where, uh, you know, memes, especially because they go viral, they just get shared all over the place. Somebody's like copy image here, paste image here. And most software doesn't do what I would consider to be the sensible thing of stripping all metadata whenever you you copy and paste. But 
it means that if you put out a meme and it's a good one, that shit by 24 hours from now is going to be everywhere. And if you didn't do the basic sanity check of stripping all the metadata before posting, then your information is out there. Yes. Now, this organization also put this statement out, I think, on Instagram. It was not long ago that white performers would paint their face black as a form of entertainment for the masses. Often not long ago. That was like 17th century. Well, it happened in the 1950s, too. But still often playing with the ideas that black folks are primitive and violent and hypersexualizing black women. The way that white and non-black folks engage in digital blackface feels too reminiscent of these what old shows. What were these so people in? Now, having a picture of Oprah with some text on it and posting that is now the same thing as painting your face black in a minstrel show. I just want I'm to sorry, understand it, the concept here. Now, the concept on my mind is getting hung up on is is the cognitive dissonance of putting the word sexualized and the word Oprah in the same sentence. <laughs> hey, people like what they that's, like. That's not working for me. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I just don't understand how having a meet. I mean, Oprah is one of the most recognizable people on the planet. And people make memes of people they know. That's what makes them funny. The same meme, if it was somebody that nobody knew, wouldn't get the same kind of traction. Because people know Oprah. She's a target for these kind of things. And that's just part of the deal. She's also somebody, and I don't understand people like her. And by her, I don't mean black women or women or black people. I mean people that came from nothing, who started out without the silver spoon, you know, didn't start out like Donald Trump, you know, giving a million bucks. Oprah started from nothing, worked her ass off and now has about as much money as God, but oh, yeah. doesn't talk about how great the American system is when people are trying I, to tear it down. Oprah is a fine example of how it's possible to have a lot of respect for something for what someone has done and not have any respect for what they've become. Yes. Because this is who I want to hear from. This should be the person that says, hey, look, people that look up to me, I don't care what color you are. I don't care what gender you are. None of that. I don't care who you want to go to bed with. I can tell you that if you work your ass off, you can make it. That's the system. Not That, that was the American dream right up until Obama redefined it. <laughs> it does seem that way. It does seem it's then, gotten a lot you know, worse. Yeah, No agenda always loved playing the clip where. It has Obama saying, uh, you know, the American dream is that if you work really hard and, and go to work on time and and show up and you you can pay your rent and have enough money left over for groceries. That's the American dream. Yeah. Just getting by. Be careful, people. If you're posting memes and you're not the same color as the per. Well, I guess if you're black, you can post any white meme you want. But oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's again. If you're black, then then you're oppressed. You're so oppressed that you can do whatever the hell you want. Yes. So, I mean, there's that. So enjoy that freedom while it's there, I guess. And uh, yeah. And explain to me exactly why posting a meme is blackface. I don't so we had, understand. We, we had another story that, that I had spotted. And then you sent me this, too, because it was it was definitely a we told you so moment is uh, uh, apparently India oh, is yeah. talking about banning cryptocurrency. Not only banning it, they're talking about some really, really harsh penalties for people that even hold it. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I mean, the, I, I was going to bring this anyway because, uh, it was it, when, when crypto came along, we were talking about how high can Bitcoin go? And I was like, well, the sky is the limit. It's going to go all the way up until some government feels threatened by it. And then they just decide to say the whole thing is illegal. Right. And what happens to it then? If, you know, when if you outlaw bitcoins, then only criminals will have bitcoins. Right. Well, then it is. We said it had to be a major country, and really, when it comes down to major countries, by how many people live there? I mean, there's only a handful, and India is one of those that really would pass that bar. In the United States, I've warned the Biden folks want to do this as well. So if India does it, yeah. No. Yeah, the the Biden the Biden and and his his folks in general, there are a lot of of really really overbearing authoritarian type of things that they would love to do, but they don't quite have the backbone to be the first anywhere to do it. But as soon as India goes out and then the next thing that happens is China will, you know, I, I don't know if China would do that or not, but but as soon as a couple of other large governments do, then then, you know, Biden, the Harris administration will just jump on and be like, yeah, we're going to cancel it, too, because everyone else is. It's the same. I mean, same phenomenon that led to, you know, one person decided to lock down for covid and suddenly everybody was on the bandwagon. Now, I have know. an original idea, you dumbasses. Yeah. By the way, best governor in the entire nation is Christy Nome. Makes me want to live in South Dakota. Almost everything else about South Dakota, not sure I want to live there, but <laughs> but their governor, really one, good. But one hot woman as a governor, you're in. Well, I, you know, she, I, yeah, okay, she's hot. I'll, I'll give it that. But what, you know what the hottest thing about Christy Nome is? She never fucking locked down her state. Yeah. And she's not somebody that will buckle just because she gets pressure. If she doesn't believe it's right, yeah. you got to appreciate that. But now this bill in India, said it would be one of the strictest policies in the world against crypto criminalize possession issuance mining trading and transferring crypto assets said an official who has direct knowledge but would not want to be named because he would probably get um he would probably yeah. get disappeared but this is yeah, we, this is not going to be a popular uh, uh yeah not a popular policy and well the reaction that we got when I originally said, well, you know, the United States is probably going to make crypto illegal. Uh, people, including our buddy Gene, which was like, well, how are they going to do it? They can't. I mean, the blockchain is the blockchain. You can't do, you can't do anything. People will just take this, you know, overseas or they. Yeah. And that's true. But you'll be committing a major felony that if you're caught, you're going yeah, to jail. That's the way you do it. You 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 know first thing you do is you create the chilling effect that says uh, well the first thing you do is you you pass this and you tell everybody hey you know this is now illegal and for the people that are think that that's an, for the people for whom that's enough they're like oh it's illegal i won't do it anymore um i mean right there you you killed a lot of it then you get the people like gene witch who are like fuck you i'm gonna have my crypto anyway and that's great but you still added the chilling effect of but if you get caught with uh you know if if they stop you in a, a border checkpoint and search your car and find a bunch of bitcoins in between the cushions of your seat i don't think then, you understand crypto <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> This, yeah, I don't. I, it's it's hard to wrap your brain around any of this. And, stuff. and, and by the way, I put, putting aside the 
you know, the ridiculous scenario of finding physical crypto, um, they don't just search your car. They also search your phone and you can find crypto there. Yeah, well, you can definitely find that because if you have a crypto wallet and if you don't think they can find this stuff out, I read an article of a procedure that I had no idea was going on in the UK, because I guess in the United Kingdom, and I think this is still current in order to have a television and be able to watch the over the air stuff. Cause you get over the air and it's a small country and the BBC, a lot of the television, if not all of it is government run. I don't know what there is in the UK besides the BBC, honestly, but if you had the television for over the air, you had to pay a fee. You had to pay a licensing fee and they actually had trucks that would drive around with antennas that could detect a television. And if they detected a television inside your address and you didn't have the yeah. license, you got ticketed. I never quite understood how that worked. And, and, you know, maybe if we have any UK people listening to grumpy old Ben's, they could explain this. Although, you know, frankly, if somebody tries to explain something to us, you just disregard it as ranting. I get that sometimes. But, um, I, I never quite understood. Like if, uh, I thought that the way that a television gets over the air signals was it is a passive receiver of broadcast signals. And that means it's pretty easy to drive around with trucks and triangulate anybody broadcasting. But it, the signal is everywhere. It permeates every structure. How are you going to figure out which, you know, lots, lots and lots of things are opaque to radio waves, uh, not least of which being human bodies. But in general, most of the things that are opaque to radio waves don't do anything with that information. And an antenna is just yet another thing that absorbs radio waves and does something with the information. How do you, well, as, how do you determine who's got a TV on and who doesn't? It's harder now, but as Duodenum pointed out in the troll room, this goes back to the days of CRTs and CRTs did release. those things leak rf all over the place yeah that's where this came now allegedly they have a way to do this currently i don't know i mean if they do they're probably not uh too apt on letting people know how that is but this was like even when direct tv did this because we had a direct tv dish allegedly no i had the dish that yeah. wasn't alleged but the allegedly having the little that's, device that's another thing where they're looking for looking for cheaters you have to drive around and look for a dish somewhere you do but then you can have a dish that's not active with direct tv yeah. it all came down to when you could reprogram the cards if you knew what you were doing and then it became a game of if, at first it was really easy because they weren't really into the whole cat and mouse thing and they were pretty slow which means you could reprogram the card and it might be a month until they figured out that they need to do something to make this go away and then you'd have to reprogram the card it got down to being like a day-to-day -day type thing and then they start doing fun stuff like if the card didn't match whatever they were looking for they would send an electrical jolt to try to fry the box i mean there was oh, yeah, i didn't i was gonna say didn't they did they tried some shit that would actually brick your equipment yes which i mean genius in a way but uh yeah not very nice and also quite possibly illegal but <laughs> only if it starts fires that could be uh <laughs> yeah, there's that too yeah like direct tv burned down my house they're like well were you pirating <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> but, uh, you know the last time i even cared about pirating cable uh cable was all analog and it was really just a matter of putting a splitter on somebody else's line and then running a, a cable from one house to the other and and then you might need a signal booster if if the signal's too degraded.
But this shows if the UK is willing to go after people just for not getting a license for a television, you don't think they're going to use everything at their disposal to find people who have crypto. And I understand you can be smart, but the minute you make one little error, you know, like the app on your phone accidentally phones home and they pick that up. Yeah. And, and, and obviously it's impossible to uh, if somebody happens to fly into New Delhi airport, stay for a business meeting and fly back out and you have a, a wallet app on your phone, but you keep it locked down and don't launch it. it then nobody's going to be able to or or if you just have a data file on your phone that happens to have a decryption key for some crypto, you're not going to they're not going to be able to enforce that. But what they can do is pay attention to anywhere that, you know, there's conversion between fiat and crypto. They can pay attention to uh, you know any 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 visible signs like transactions. Um, you know, you could. Bitcoin, especially, you can watch the blockchain and watch for any transactions with some kind of fingerprint that indicates that it's in India. And once you find that, it it also because it's a very, very broad net and a very large law and almost certainly won't have enough uh, enough funding to fully enforce the entire thing, because most bad laws don't. um, What you're going to have is. You have another tool in your toolbox to say, well, this person said something bad about the government or said something politically incorrect. And now as a government, we need to persecute them. And how are we going to do that? Well, uh, we have these indications that um, they bought or sold, you know, 300 Satoshis by sending it to podcast index the other day. Quick. Okay. Then throw the book at him. Right. Which, I mean, this is the thing too. What if it's made illegal? How do you then access your money? I mean, sure, it could sit there indefinitely, but if you need to access sure. that money, it becomes... If you don't do anything with it, then it's nothing more than a file cluttering up your hard drive. Right. Now, a government panel in India in 2019 recommended a jail term of up to 10 years on people who mine, generate, hold, sell, transfer, dispose of, issue, or deal in dispose cryptocurrencies. Of? I dispose so now of. deleting a file can get you in jail? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, an interesting thing. The official would Actually, not say whether the jail time was in the bill that is expected to be put forth by India. Now, that'll be interesting to see, because that is I mean, we talk about the carrot in the stick and the stick. If it's just a fine with the way crypto has been going up, a lot of people will be like, ha, all right, find me. I don't care. I'm keeping my Bitcoin. Now, if it's 10 years in jail, that's different. And and the the other the other thing that that's easy to enforce is uh, you mentioned mining. Um, that's pretty easy to enforce. You you enforce that the same way that that you find illegal marijuana grow rooms. You just look for power usage. Well, that's true too. And we know the smart grid. That was one of the biggest things. Oh yeah, the, when the whole smart grid started, like they know when you're home. They know when somebody flushes a toilet, you know, where somebody turns yeah, out every the- single device in your house, every utility, every meter, every are all going to phone home to put an entry in the database with your unique user ID and a timestamp and what happened. And by the way, that's probably how the BBC is going to go ahead and enforce their TV thing is, is, you know, smart TVs in the UK that every time that you log, you know, this is. This is how any Silicon Valley online service works is, is you don't, 
You don't give somebody send you know blanket the countryside with a signal and let people passively pick it up. Uh, Direct TV now goes out and says every time that you want a, a key, an encryption key to decode the signal that we're blanketing you with, you have to send your username and uh, login credentials and then we'll check it against. Do you have the permission to do it? And if you do have the permission, then they'll send you uh, a one-time decryption key, which were, you know, so uh, the, the technology for enforcing this thing is now all about get the individual ID of every single person who uses it, log it into a database so that we have a paper trail. Right. Just like they want everybody with a social media account. We should have an ID. How do you enforce this? You delete anonymity and, uh, you know, crypto that makes sure that every single transaction that's ever happened since the dawn of time is on the blockchain permanently. Yeah. Not a lot of anonymity there. No. So this idea that you can amass a fortune and hide it from whatever government you may be living under is possible. But it's not the easiest thing in the world. This isn't like, ah, there's no way they can know I have crypto. Yeah, they can. I mean, it's it's messy and it's authoritarian when when they decide to enforce something like this. And that's why it's a bad law. And I hate it. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they're they they can really screw up an industry by trying. Well, I mean, Indian officials call Bitcoin a Ponzi scheme. And I don't know if I can disagree with that now that it's sitting at like $58,000 <laughs> from 4,000 less than a year am, ago. Or right I read about the year. Bitcoin white paper. I don't think that was their original intent. But I don't there think are certainly so people. I mean, there's you, you, it's hard not to think that there's at least some people who are treating it like a pump and dump. Oh well, yeah. Because as you can with, especially with large enough buys, hello, Elon. With a large enough buy, you can adjust the amount fairly easily. And this has happened in the past. It's been proven to happen with other crypto as well, where manipulation. I mean, Bitcoin seems to be a little bit more free of that because the average person can't do it. But I mean, Elon, Bezos, people with that kind of cash can definitely change the value by making a huge buy. Yeah, I was going to say the, the average person can't uh, corner the worldwide global market on web search either. But for some reason, you know, someone with a lot of money has been able to do it. It's the way the world works, man. The rich get richer. Oprah knows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my my favorite Oprah meme was uh, I saw this morning was the uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, talking to uh, Daniel Craig. You know, they played 007 saying, uh, and uh, 007 says, both of them? She says, yes, 007, and Oprah, too. <laughs> well, you got to tie up all the loose ends. Yeah. Yeah. It, apparently, for people who give a shit about British royalty, this was a really big scandal. Yeah, well, I Obviously, we, we didn't, we didn't uh, report it on Grumpy Old Ben's, but. Well, the, the most laughable thing about this in the wake of all of this is the concept that Meghan Markle is looking into the possibility of a presidential run. <laughs> a president of what? The United States of America, baby. The, the deluded States of America. Yeah. I don't quite understand the concept. I mean, sure. Go ahead. Run for governor, run for you know, representative, run for whatever, start somewhere and see what you can do. 
I don't know. I mean, she her family seems to hate her and her, her in-laws seem to hate her. There's a there's a pattern going on around her. Well, yeah, but if, if but, they're all British, then that's not going to really affect well, her, her, her ability. Well, uh, yeah, but they're all Californian. Yeah, well, that's true. But I think people know that you don't turn on your family. I mean, that is the is uh, the, the, the way, we, isn't it? We got we got fucking millennials out here right now who are are carrying on their own parents saying my dad tr- supported Trump and he should be canceled. This is the Hitler youth all over again. I mean, it really, it, it is. It's like, I'm going to turn my mommy and daddy in because dad has a MAGA hat canceled, canceled, yeah. canceled. And uh, so, yeah, um, I, I, I don't I didn't quite grasp exactly. I'm, I'm not up on the Indian uh legislative process it sounded like this was uh it, it didn't it wasn't even proposed legislation yet it looked like it was uh a politician had an idea but in a lot of places the the distance from a politician had an idea to their assigned legislation is pretty short right and if if you control the government enough then you know it, it, like monarchy your word is law the king says i really would like a sandwich and then suddenly that day there's a new law everybody must have a sandwich all hail the but, king i mean if it's a good yeah, sandwich it's, it's good to be king it is i i don't know if that's how india works or not but it it sounds like um there there could i don't know what, what scares me about this is not that india is doing this but that uh as as global as everybody is trying to make you know they're trying to build a cartel of governments to become the the de facto one world government and the best way to do that is to put a bunch of yes men in place and i i, I guess what i'm saying is india is not the first or is the first place we're seeing this but we're going to see a pretty big and possibly a very rapid backlash against crypto in the governments, at least the ones who aren't using crypto for their own ends. Yeah. And that is what you need to keep an eye on here is the fact that I think we this came up on one of the two shows that you were out getting your teeth worked on uh, that Janet Yellen, Biden's secretary of the Treasury, echoed some of the fears expressed by her predecessor, Steve Munchen, saying I don't think that Bitcoin, I've said this before, is widely used as a transaction mechanism. She said, to the extent it's used, I fear it's often for illicit finance. Okay, here's Biden's Uh, Secretary (laughs) of the Treasury saying, I think Bitcoin is mainly used for illegal things. You don't think they're going after Bitcoin? she's, She's free to think a lot of things. She's wrong. But what bothers me well, whether being is wrong that when they say matter. stuff like that and it somehow becomes policy. Right. Well, because she's being wrong doesn't matter. She is the one making the decisions and telling yeah. Biden. So I don't care if she's wrong. I care if she makes bad decisions based on incorrect data. And, this and, is and unfortunately, well. that's highly likely. Yes, that is. If you're if you're heavy into crypto, we are not bankers. We are not uh, financial planners. We are not to be taken seriously. Any advice you take from us, it's your own damn problem. We are not professionals. Yeah. This is not advice. This is not professional advice. If, once all that's covered, 
get rid of your crypto, man. It's going to go yeah, what's, poorly. What's the standard? Every single podcast who uses the word stocks somewhere in the podcast, you're going to hear them say uh, nothing that you hear on grumpy old Ben's should be taken as financial advice. And, yes. and why do people say that? Because if you don't say that, then there's this persistent belief, even amongst podcasters, that the SEC is going to come down and slap you with a bunch of fines and throw your ass in jail for giving out financial advice without being licensed, which is yet another type of, of government corruption where they're, they're trying to gatekeep who can give advice, but without, without trying to resort to the, the usual language of don't take our, um, you should probably know by now if you're a regular listener to grumpy old Ben's that, uh, we're not nearly as clever and charming as we think we are. And, uh, that goes for financial markets too. It is. That is very much true. I'm just saying Biden's secretary of the treasury thinks Bitcoin's often used just for illegal things. And India is looking to totally make crypto illegal. The signs are there that the crash that I believe is going to happen again, not an expert is impending. I don't know if it's going to be a crash or not, or, you know, it, it might be a hijacking is what I'm saying. Well, with saying, yeah, I guess that is the uh, same thing. Often things are hijacked and then crash like uh, yeah. the airplane. They never found from what, two years ago. Was that now? I mean, it's, it's I feel like this, this, this metaphor is hurting. It is. It's hurting, but that's okay. That's what we do here on grumpy old Ben's. The grumpy podcast. We, we heard a lot of metaphors and uh, we bring this. I mean, sometimes people don't want to hear the information that's out there. I know a lot of people are riding high. On the crypto. I'm, I mean, I'm one of them and I just have a very little amount and it's like, it just keeps going up and it's really fun to watch that. But it's the same as going to Vegas and being on a hot streak and like, Hey, hey man, I'm up, I'm up $5,000. And then five minutes later, it's like, I'm down $35,000. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's easy to do. It yeah. Is- I mean, it's, it's speculative. It's, it, it, it has an aspect of gambling. I, and if you go in without knowing what the hell you're doing, you're going to lose your shirt, which is a lot like casinos, really. And and they're illegal in some places for that reason. And they're very, very popular for the same reason. Yes. And they're legal in so many more places now. I I don't know. I understand freedom, baby. But there's well, no, you know, the, the funny, okay, whether or not a casino is legal is, is a very funny tension because when they're made illegal and they're made legal, it's for exactly the same reason. And that is that, uh, unsuspecting rubes are going to lose their shirt. And when they're made illegal, it's to protect the unsuspecting rubes. And when they're made legal, it's usually to take advantage of the unsuspecting rubes and take their money. Right. Well, yeah, because the government gets a lot of taxes when they open casinos. Oh, yeah. It's like it's the same thing when when you have the exact same government saying, uh, well, gambling should be illegal, but go play the lottery. Well, yeah. Well, we grew up in an era where if you wanted to legally gamble in the United States, you went to Vegas or Reno or Atlantic city. Those were the three cities you could go to. Yeah. Well, now, around here, it was, it was always the, the, Indian. the native American reservation. Right. The, but yeah. The, so you could do that as well, but that was the extent of it. And then people start going, well, you know, they're making a lot of money. Well, why aren't we doing, we have all these problems here in Illinois. <laughs> Let's open casinos. And that sounds like a great idea to generate funds to, you know, pay for education and to 
help the poor people. But you know who go to the casinos and throw all their money in to those machines? The poor people. So it's uh, it's kind of a self-fulfilling oh, the, thing. the poor and the stupid. And, and trust me, there's a causal link between those two things. Right. There is there. There definitely is. And I get, you know, if you uh, if you're Elon Musk and again, again, if you have a billion dollars, well, you could go drop a million dollars in a casino and that's entertainment. But if you're somebody that makes twenty thousand dollars a year and you go to a casino and drop two thousand dollars, I mean, that's going to hurt. And so people I, do it. I have a genuine tech story. Ooh. Um, actually, I don't know if you sent me this one or not. I don't remember who sent it to me. I do know that it was sent with the the idea of of saying, hey, Sir Bemrose, you're not safe either. <laughs> Wait, to somebody who who thought you were safe and in what aspect? Well, I I have uh, I, I arguably somewhat arrogantly pointed out that I am safe from most of the various online World Wide Web exploits. Oh, right. Because I don't run JavaScript. Right. I think I sent this to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, whoever sent it was, was an, uh, you know, a, a smug jerk who wanted to tell me that I was not safe. Oh, definitely me um, then. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not the only smug jerk who tries to, uh, show me up, but you're just the one who does it every Monday and Friday morning. Um, this is called the CSS Prime Plus Probe fingerprinting attack, and uh, I just thought I'd throw it out there. It's not a it, it's not a a huge uh, you know, devastating vulnerability, but uh, it's um, it's yet another side channel attack. And we've talked about the side channel attacks before. Uh, like one of the most common ones was was Rowhammer, where you you know, uh, you run uh, a particular memory sequence through and then you pay attention to voltage levels or something. And it, you know, this, the side channel attacks always look for uh, side effects of whatever you're doing that you can then use to fingerprint. And, and that's what this is. The, um, the way this one works is you, you know, obviously the first thing you have to do is visit a web page. And the web page contains a an HTML, a very, very long variable that covers the entire HTML cache. So, a, I mean, a couple megabytes worth of text that's carefully crafted. So you pull it in and it has to uh, cache to hard drive and your browser is now you got to a point where um, your browser is trying to keep the And then. Um, what you do is you send a, a CSS element that causes a search on that string that doesn't or for a string that doesn't exist in there. And the fingerprinting is how long did it take to search this string? And that gives you a fingerprint of of your CPU and your browser cache and your your hard drive uh, kind of. And then uh, you issue uh, a CSS at the end, which will you you you, you issue a, a CSS request and it will time how long from the first request to the second one with the search in between. And then you measure the time in between. And that is the 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 timing is a a type of browser fingerprint that you can use to determine pretty effectively because the the, the browser speed is not all that variable in order to try to fingerprint your browser um 
the most remarkable thing about this is that it requires no JavaScript, which is probably, you know, it's, it's a thing that's notable and, and caused me to even care. It's you're, you're losing a little bit of browser fingerprinting. And if you're worried about browser fingerprinting, then you, and running JavaScript, then, then you're already, you've already lost. Um, we, you know, you go, the, the panopticlick at EFF, for example, is, shows you all of the browser fingerprinting that you're already leaking. Right. And even, even without running JavaScript, I go there and most of the tests don't run because they rely on JavaScript. However, they still have some fingerprinting information. The, the very fact that you're making web requests already I mean, the most obvious thing you're sending is your IP address because they need somewhere to send it. Uh, you're, you're sending your, your user agent that can be spoofed, but it, there's a lot of fingerprinting things already. This is yet another. It's fascinating. The, you know, the, the side channel attacks are, are never a primary attack. They're never, you know, having somebody know how much time it took for my browser to render and search a string is not going to compromise my privacy that much, but it's, it's something that you drop into a, a large suite of, of vulnerability exploits to, uh, you know, and, and, an advertiser might use it to, to get yet another piece. The, the information you can get from this is, is just another piece of information that's difficult to obfuscate. Well, and that's amazingly low tech and takes an understanding of how things run on a page as far as, you know, that CSS further down the page isn't hit until the other processing is done. So it's genius, kind of. Yeah, it's it's very smart. I, I don't feel like it's a particularly deep exploit. But like I said, the thing that's most notable about it is, is if you are if you're going full Bemrose and shutting off JavaScript in order to try to reduce browser fingerprinting, then uh, realize that there are still things like this side channel attack that, that can and will be used. I don't know that it's being exploited in the wild right now, but it's totally the kind of thing that if I were, if I were, for example, trying to uh, track users and say uh, Google Chrome had shut off my third party cookies, then I might go ahead and use this to try to track people anyway. The advertisers will use whatever they can to get the information that they want. And there is nothing that is going to keep anybody completely anonymous unless you go the full route of doing something on every level. All the stuff we've talked about, VPNs certainly help hide your IP address. Using a different browser is also a good idea if you're doing stuff that you don't want track to other things, always say, do your banking in one browser and everything else in another, and they'll not be as tied together as much. You can uh, do things like the Winston privacy device. You can use browsers like brave, which intentionally try to break some of this stuff. Some do it better than others. And of course, let's all understand that any browser or plugin can be sold at any time, which could totally screw up your anonymity. If you have too many plugins, be aware that every one of those is a threat to your privacy. And if yeah. you really, really want to be private, you kind of need to spin up a virtual machine and run that through a VPN or, you know, get an old laptop and put a different operating system on it and then go and, uh, and war drive your neighborhood. And, and, and even then that, you know, there are going to be things that get through and it's just a risk that you're going to have to take if you want to be on the web, because the only way 
to have a hundred percent internet privacy is don't use the internet. Well, yes. Yeah. That's Which is it. difficult, but um, I mean, you know, I, there's a lot of woods in North America. You can go find a, the, the, it'll hold a lot of cabins out there. You know, but you can't do the neural thing then through Photoshop because it needs the mothership, which I, again, I worry about that kind of stuff. Why you want to, why you want to yeah, be able to software phone that phones home uh-huh. is, is becoming the norm. It really is. And the question is, why is it really about the new filters working? And maybe it is. I'll give Adobe the benefit of the, the doubt for now, but we know Adobe also gets pirated a lot. And the more you can force the phone home, the more you can verify allegedly that the software that's running is legit and licensed and purchased and all of that. Sure. And, and if, if you don't think that that's part of why it phones home, then you're really being naive, but it, it might not be the only reason. And there it's, it's quite possible. Some, I mean, some of the things you described earlier are really complicated and probably take a hell of a lot of computing complexity to do more than they necessarily want to do in the client on the individual computer, because especially for low end computers, anybody who used Adobe realizes that some of the operations is like, okay, you got to start it and get up and go get a cup of coffee. Right. And you know, an operation that takes two minutes is, is really inconvenient, but an operation that takes 40 minutes on a low end machine and you, you really want to find a way to offload that to the cloud or something. Right. Well, I, a lot of people don't realize that if they have one of those Apple devices and they say, Hey, name then it goes to the yeah. cloud with what you say same thing with the amazon devices yeah. it goes to the cloud to take oh i'll take this audio file i'll send it to the cloud and they'll process it not yes. your stupid dumb device alexa send everything i say to the cloud yes of course we always do that is part of our that's part <laughs> yeah. of our system yeah. like of course that's like there isn't that is the only option we're not giving you any other option although you know people might pay for this uh if you could say device remember when i told my wife this please replay that <laughs> and it'll be like there you go we can finally win an argument i thought that was a feature of the google one where you could you could set some audio clip as a, a note and then ask it to recall a note probably I thought that, that i thought that feature came up when google was back when they thought they could compete at anything well, they can because they can buy their way well, in. Anything that isn't it. search, yeah. Yeah, they can buy their way in. But that makes sense. I mean, I mean anybody who remembers Google Buzz knows that there are certain things they can't compete in. <laughs> well, they've, yeah, they've, they've had their fair share of things that have disappeared. And a lot of them were never real products. And there's a lot. What do they even call that? Their little sandbox, which had all these uh, programs in at the Google Labs, I think it was. And. A lot of those were around for years and then just occasionally yeah. get shut down. Yeah, or- they had they had an email product that was in beta for 10 years. Uh, oh, wait, that was Gmail. <laughs> it's still it's still in beta. <laughs> They're going to get it right. No, I think it officially came out of beta a couple of years ago. They, they finally got it right, I guess. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Google. Um, Google does have a, a sandbox called uh, they call it their privacy sandbox. Um, that, that was that was my big in-depth story today. You want to do that or do you want to go talk about some experts first? Well, we can talk about some experts because it's going to be a very, very short list. This is where we uh, can you put the little uh, sad kitty meme up in the uh, in the show? I have a sad kitty on my lap right now because I'm not petting her. When we uh, do the chapters, you put the big sad picture of a cat. We only have one expert today. And on the bright side, 
he sent in a donation that was split between random thoughts and grumpy old Ben. So, I mean, good for me. Worse for you. But uh, our buddy, Brian. Yeah, you know, at this at this rate, it, it, it doubles when, when you split the grumpy old Ben's donations, it doubles the amount of time before I get a new microphone. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, that'll happen. And I, and I said his name wrong again. This is so ingrained in my mind. And he knows I'm, I'm just an idiot. Speaking and reading are not easy things. Andrew says it all the time on his show. Absolutely right. But uh, he, he corrects me that his last name has a soft G like generic. So it's Brian Genak, not yeah. I always want to go the the hard G. That's not yes. the way. But in his, his the note, hard, he, the hard G like in GIF. Yes. And he has a note in the note. It had an idea said mispronounce all the experts names. So they'll pay more to correct them. And now that's genius because I think we should that's start the JCD model. Yes. I, I emailed him back. I'm like, yeah, that's uh, we, we've it's genius. But yeah, you're right. JCD. Came we steal all of no agenda's best ideas. We have to because they steal ours every now and then. But he sent in a money order via snail mail. Fifty two dollars for his 52nd birthday. So happy birthday, Brian. And I mean, if everybody happy while, birthday. while celebrating your birthday, send us money. I mean, that seems like the perfect gift for the person who's got everything or, or gift. Yes. That's the first gift you want. Okay, to I'll shut up. It's uh, <laughs> it's a bit that can go on and on in on but he's a guy and i totally messed up my own age so i'm like oh you're older than me for a few minutes and then i realized he had turned 52 and i'm still 50 until april so i'm like a little over i <laughs> see that's how dumb i am i'm like oh wait I, i'm like a year and a month behind i don't know why i guess i i maybe feel older it just I, seems- I, yeah you you just you're only as old as you feel and apparently you feel at least 52 yeah we've been like in a time warp over the last I, you know what? So. Talking to me twice a week will have that effect on people. Yeah, it can cause severe mental anguish. So you should take the proper steps to make sure that, uh, you know, you have somebody to talk to when you go into the corner and just cry after listening to a long Bem rant. But uh, this was a guy, Brian, that came to us not from No Agenda, but from that Larry show. and. We love that Larry show. Larry is a good dude, and we are happy to have you as a member, as an expert. He says, I enjoy the rants. I'm beginning to pick up on the tech stuff as well. I'm not a dude named Ben, just a dude named Brian. Keep up the good work, guys. And then he stopped. If uh, I know he was in the troll room a minute ago. If you're if you're listening, Sir Matthew, he had a PS, which was, how do I find the Maps with Matt podcast? And that is always a good question. You know, and the funny thing is that for a podcast with only four episodes, Maps with Matt gets a hell of a lot of press I know. and and PR on other podcasts, including this one. It is a good show. There's only been four episodes, but they've been quality episodes. They have been. And if, we, if you, you, you know, if you want some really quality Bem rant from somebody who has a much better voice than Bem Rose, go listen to the the Flat Earth episode of Maps with Matt. Yes. Maps with Matt. One T and Matt dot com is where you'll find Maps with Matt. It's a great podcast. He also works in the value for value model, just like we do, which means we put these shows out there. We hope you get some value out of the shows and then you decide, did I get value? If you did, was it a dollar's worth of value? So you can maybe kick that in. You know, it's like going for a happy meal surprise over at McDonald's for whatever you get for a dollar. Now, is it even food? I don't know. 
is it five bucks? You know, a latte? Is it 10 bucks? Maybe a CD? Are those still around? I'm getting them really five, five bucks is a here. pretty cheap latte in this neck of the woods these days. What are they like $25 for a good latte? Yeah, no, but it, it, it like $7 for the one that my wife usually gets is yeah, it's just crazy. But and that I'll, makes her yeah. happy, right? And then she, yeah, she kill you. yes. And that, that, that's what makes it worth it and why I keep going back. But, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, she's always like, I want a, you know, a, a brown sugar, cinnamon and mint, uh, you know, caramel, honeycomb latte, brevet with whip and sprinkles and I, I you know, it, it, very complicated I was order. And say, like, this okay, sounds, that's, this sounds very $7. complicated. And then, and then they're like, uh, and would you like anything? I'm like, I'll take an Americano. That boring. Now, why haven't you learned how to make the drink for her at home? That could be a, we have the material we have. There's an espresso maker on the table over here next to my coffee maker that hardly ever gets used because, it, because going out to the coffee stand, it's a social, uh, excursion it's she she needs to go out she needs to to talk with people talk with the barista talk with the other people there it, it even in in the age where everybody you know maybe especially in the age where everybody's been locked down in their homes uh, she will go out before work to the local coffee stand which we've been patronizing for almost 10 years now so not it's, starbucks no, no, it's it's a local one. And in fact, uh, you know, it, being being in the greater Seattle area, there's a coffee stand every block. And in this case, uh, you know, the the one we go to serves decent coffee and the one directly across the street, literally like you, you turn around and you're looking at another coffee stand on the other side of the street. Um, what they have all the windows boarded up the face of the street because uh, the city requirements, but it's it's a bikini stand. And I think I've talked about that before where, you know, I look at it and I'm like, I'd love to go by and, you know, see your tits, but I'm here for coffee and I just coffee and porn are never two things I've ever thought about putting together. Well, somebody did and they're yes. probably probably making they're, more money. They're pretty popular. <laughs> it was uh it was a really, really big scandal in this area for a couple of years ago when the city said decided to suddenly become prudes and say, well, we're not allowing anybody to be in a bikini. Like, uh, hello, you could walk down the street in a bikini. You can't serve coffee in it now. Yes. Right. Yes, because we're inconsistent. And they might spill that hot coffee and then that would be that would be dangerous. That, that 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 is gonna yeah. There would be a a a workplace incident filed. I mean, but we talked about the fact that any tech show that is especially a video show on YouTube or wherever automatically gets a lot more eyeballs if there is a female on it. So I could understand a coffee place yeah. that had women. In and and I'm, I'm certain that, you know, we a place that decides that they're going to have all of their baristas wearing bikinis, even during the middle of winter, which I, ugh. Then Hooters yeah, is maybe, a thing and Twin Peaks and all the other ones. Yeah, I, I may, maybe that helps. But um, if, if that's the way you want to market your stuff, uh, uh, people enter voluntary agreements. The women who do it are nobody is being kidnapped off the street and forced to serve coffee in a bikini. I mean, that only happened to me once. Well, the people are just but, pissed that they're making more money than they are at their you know job as an accountant or something like that. But but for my purposes, I'll go ahead and go to the one across the street, which has fully clothed baristas and better coffee. You're making the I don't wrong know. choice. Call me old fashioned. You're very old fashioned. And uh, I saw an article the other day, and I don't know if you believe this. I don't. But according again, I think they were using like cell phone data that the theory was people are actually going out in the United States now more 
than they were before COVID hit. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I think there's enough people that are still way too cautious for that. But I also understand there's a pretty big amount of people who are just ready to get the hell out. Yeah. And- the, the, the people who haven't been allowed to leave their house for months are, are like, okay, I am going to spend the next three months, not in this house. Right, I get that. Right. right. And, and you know, the, the, that's going to be offset by the people who are, are, Oh my God, they've told me to be afraid of everything. And now I can't leave this spot or I'll die. And yeah, those people exist, but they won't for much longer. And if they're stuck in their house and not interacting, then maybe we don't care if they do or not. I'm yeah, not allowed I, to leave the house. I just don't like to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not because of the pandemic. Uh, I did. There was never a point when I felt like I wasn't allowed to leave the house. Uh, even when Inslee said, don't leave the house. I'm like, fuck you, Inslee. I leave if I want. And right. then I just didn't because I'm kind of a hermit. Right. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And uh, there are some people that are friendly. Obviously, your wife is one of those that will talk to people went out and about in a coffee shop. Yes, she I, is a very social creature that <laughs> you just walk in. And if you're by yourself, I see this conversation as being like, hi, how you doing? It's a great day out, isn't it, buddy? What do you want? And you're like Americano. <laughs> I've done. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's well, it. And, and the, the probability of that conversation going that way is is much, much higher before I've had any coffee for the day. <laughs> is, there, is there ringing you up like, hey, it's a beautiful day out there, isn't it? You're like Americano. Yeah, that's, that's all I, trust me. When I order the second Americano, I'm much more ac- animated. Yeah, I can understand. I can understand that. And I think everybody should be more animated for Friday show and go to grumpy and click on that donate button, do a one time donation or a monthly donation through PayPal. Use the QR code or Bitcoin address to do the Bitcoin thing. And you can also use the snail mail address to send something that way and nobody's bought my nft yet man i thought it would be up for millions by now why and i i'm like banksy i think why how come nobody i, I buying think they're my waiting art? for the price to go up before they buy oh i think so. that's good because art is it keeps going up usually after yes. people die the art goes up so wait that's oh that's, that's not <laughs> so, gonna work out so, for me, so they're waiting for the the contractor to finish their is that yeah maybe no actually i think you would buy low and then wipe the artist out but either way that's still not good for uh, the artist in question. So uh, take part in the value for value model, folks. It'll make you feel better. Guaranteed. I feel better already. Good, good, good. What else we got? Uh, Google announces plans to stop selling ads based on browsing history. Doesn't this sound magnanimous? Um, no, not really, because here's the thing. I don't think they use browsing history as much as tracking cookies and those are two separate things i that and and that's yes uh there there's a whole lot of double speak first of all this comes from uh uh and a press release by uh what's the guy's name uh david tempkin who is the director for google ads and privacy team the main reason i bring that up is because in in any sane world uh, a team called advertising and privacy is you're, it, it's like it's like saying you have a team that's for, uh, you know, firefighting and arson. Right. right. Or <laughs> it's, it, it, you've, you've got two missions for the team and they're diametrically opposed. But in, in the Google doublespeak world, privacy is advertiser. Advertising is privacy or something like that. And Google, I mean, everything about this, Google is an advertising company. They make billions and billions of dollars 
advertising. So uh, that, that they have a team, which is called advertising and privacy makes complete sense. Once you bent your mind around the idea that advertising is a universal good. And, um, the, uh, I've got, I've got two press releases that I read for this. And then I read a white paper on something called federated learning of cohorts. Um, the, the two press releases, I want to read the, just the first sentence from each of them. Um, the press release that says we're going to stop selling ads based on browsing history that came out this week. And the first sentence is people shouldn't have to accept being tracked across the web in order to get the benefits of relevant advertising. <laughs> oh, benefit. Yeah. The benefits. How about people shouldn't have to, people shouldn't accept being tracked across the web. Full stop. Period. End. What benefits, but, but Google, I mean, it, it is there, it is in their financial interest to make sure that you get advertising. And so every bit of PR that comes out of this company is about making you understand that advertising is good and the advertising you get from Google is what you want. And the, the other one that I read was, uh, this was a press release from January titled Google removing third party cookies from Chrome. Um, the first sentence of that, literally the very first sentence in the press release says advertising is essential to keeping the web open for everyone. <laughs> I did, no, it's just essential for keeping your bottom line. Right. The, right. the, the internet that Google wants to enforce and make sure everybody believes in and oh, this, I mean, this is obviously propaganda. Google wants the internet to be the internet of advertising. Right. And if you ever go out and listen to Adam Curry and Dave Jones on podcasting 2.0, you realize that advertising is a form of censorship and that the idea of, uh, you know, direct Satoshi payments for content is another view that you could have. But Google does not want that view because Google wants advertising and more importantly, Google wants to control it. So I, the, the, I'm sorry. It broke my brain having to put up with the double speak in here and the, the type of, of word twisting that was necessary for Google to come out and say, it make you believe that their view of advertising is the best possible way. Well, the internet was built without advertising. The original websites did not have advertising. People pay to have a server that they can put whatever information they want on. There's nothing that says you have to have advertising. We do not on the grumpy old Ben's website have ads. Could we put ads on there? Sure. We don't because that's not how our site. That's not how our show is supported. And I understand people that want to do the ad model. That's fine, but it is not essential to anything. I remember back when ads were new, when they were actually something that people found interesting because they hadn't seen them online and the interactive ads. Oh, it was for a brief blip in history. It was an interesting technology. Yeah. Almost as soon for for about five minutes, people wanted to interact with ads, and then they went, "Nope, this is stupid." It is. It is. It's absolutely stupid because it takes you from what you want to consume. And if you're reading an article on a web page, yeah. do you really want to look at the ads in the sidebar next to what you're reading? No, you don't. I mean, I guess maybe they just think every now and then somebody will glance and be interested in something, but watching YouTube, even with the pie hole, at least through the Roku, I haven't seen it as much watching directly on my PC 
with Brave and the pie hole, and maybe that is more helpful. But watching short YouTube videos now is impossible because in a 10 minute video, it's going to stop twice. And they're only like 10 seconds or 15 seconds worth of ads, but that's enough. In a, oh, it's awful. In a f- uh, you know, we, we as humans, we, we really only have one truly finite resource that we can never get more of. And it's, it's not money. It is possible through hard work, through, uh, you know, through a number of, you know, any number of, of, uh, Ponzi schemes, et cetera, to get more money. Um, but what you will never have more of is time is your attention is, is your life force. And that is what advertisers are taking from you. It, it is at least more honest for somebody to say, uh, give me money in exchange for this service. But when a company like Google comes out and says, give me your life force in exchange for this service, that, that's, that is what advertising does. It says it, it is, it is stealing your attention away from you. It is taking your attention from what you want to direct it toward. And it is wasting your time when, when a YouTube video stops and skips to an ad and then goes back yeah it's not very much time but we're all on a countdown to pushing up daisies and it it, it was not your choice to watch this ad it was uh, you you are you are spending time the way you want by watching the video and then the company came out and decided to steal some of your life force in order to try to show you images of some product that you didn't care about or didn't want to know about. And I, I feel like that is, is morally far, far worse than deciding to just charge for goods and services. Oh, I agree. And if not a fan of ads, if there was a right, well, if there's a way to opt out, a lot of people would definitely. Yeah. It's called an ad blocker. Get in on that. Well, obviously it's not working right in this case. when, When it works, when it works, it's great. And again, it may be because the Roku is an ad machine. In its in its own, but what this leads me to believe at this point is for videos that I want to watch from channels that are interrupted by ads, and not all of them are. And I don't still I've never picked up the exact method used. Maybe it's the person uploading it. If it's not monetized at all, then there are no videos because there was a video we watched last night with. Uh, Brian Johnson, I think the lead singer from ACDC, he has a show where he goes around interviewing some people in the music industry. And this was without commercials, like an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes with Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters. And this was on YouTube. And I started it thinking, okay, how many times is this going to get stopped? And not once. There was not one ad in the hour and 20 minutes, but I try to watch something, you know, like Brian Brushwood's putting out. That's like an eight minute video. It stops twice. It's like, I don't, I don't get it, but yeah, I, 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 I couldn't watch that. I, I just, I, I cannot, you know, I can't even wait. I, you know, my, my, my wife works for a large cable company, uh, which I won't name cause I don't have to, but, um, we have access through uh, the cable box downstairs. We have access to free on-demand content with a pretty large library. Comcast doesn't have as big a library as say Netflix or Amazon, but they've got a pretty good library of stuff that you can just, you click in and it's just like a streaming service. You click, you say, I want to watch this now. And I, I don't, I won't because most of the content has interstitial ads and 
I, it, it breaks me out of the content. It destroys my experience. It makes me not like I, if I watch a show and it cuts off partway through the show and tries to steal my attention, then I can't go back to the show. I'm like, I, it, the entire experience, my immersion is gone. The show sucks now. And the YouTube's even worse because they just cut in at random points. It's not even like when you're doing it with a television show, there was a break built in for commercials when they originally aired, if they were on network television. Yeah. Yeah, which is hilarious when you go watch them on Netflix later and the show you know hits a dramatic chord and fades to black and then they come back up and pick up the conversation again. You're like, huh, wonder uh-huh. what that was for. <laughs> or it repeats. And then it's like just to remind you of what yeah. happened right before that commercial break. They've gotten better with that now that they understand. Oh, reality TV is unwatchable because of that bullshit. Yeah. Well, they like to pound that into your head and they, they all they have is the editing on there. But this says to me once again that piracy slash downloading youtube videos is the way to go if you want to watch them because then you won't be interrupted by the ads it's just another yes. way to get around the ads and i understand uh, it's, why people uh, do yeah, it. it's not it's not the only way to go but it uh in you know from every perspective except for the ethical one uh piracy is a better experience than most of the services out there and it I'm not even talking cost because the, you know, the cost to stream a a list movie on Amazon is, is $2. If you just want to watch it once, it's not a huge deal. Actually, it's probably more than that now, but last time I cared, but it's not the money. It is everything about the experience. It's the fact that I have to watch it on, you know, with, well, with the way TV used to be the, the fact that I have to watch it at a certain time of day, that was a, problem piracy was more convenient um the the fact that i have to watch it in your app uh well piracy i can watch it in an app that i like uh you know everything about lockdown content you know netflix the fact that i have to uh, sign in uh amazon streaming which i i've started to get into but again infuriates me because they don't have interstitial ads but they have pre-roll ads the fact that i have to alt tab and go over and clip the click the skip the fucking ad and and for amazon they're all house ads they're ads for amazon content it's like why why are you doing that you already have my money for amazon prime i'm already a subscriber what more do you get by wasting my time right who cares if i watch your content it would seem to lose you money yeah (laughs) I'm, i'm trying to watch content but you're not letting me watch content by telling me to watch your content so let me guess you don't have the free roku like box that the big cable company is offering now for free for anybody that has their internet um are, are you talking a dvr or? no they're just it's like a roku the xfinity has uh-huh. a whatever they call their roku but it's, i don't know the the box that we have downstairs is like a X, xb1 or something See, that's the and regular honestly, tv they now have a streaming box I honestly don't think that I've even like I unplugged it when I realized how much power those things are using. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think I've plugged it in since last February when I watched the Super Bowl. They have a streaming box much like a Roku. And now they're even pushing that you get the uh, it's Peacock that they own. Right. It's the it's Peacock streaming service. Yeah. For that's free. Right. Now you get that free if you get their streaming box. So they must really need numbers on those the x1 is not the streaming box blue douche that is your normal cable box well, the, i mean the, they, i i don't know how much this is true now but for for the last most of the last three decades the 
the model behind cable networks is is the reason why your cable company will give you such fantastic deals is being able to report we have 1 million customers versus right. 700,000 means that they can charge more money to the channels who want to be on the network which means that even if you pay nothing as your daily subscription the fact that you are on the service and can be reported makes them money Right. That's how magazine subscriptions used to work. And yes, I think it is the Xfinity Flex net net. Always somebody knows what we're talking about, even if we don't. So, yeah, according to Google, though, quote, it's difficult to conceive of the Internet. We know today with information on every topic in every language at the fingertips of billions of people without advertising as its economic foundation. This is literally (laughs) what Google thinks. Yeah. So what is Google doing? Uh, well, the, the big user facing thing change that is happening here is that they are going to now block third party cookies by default in Chrome. And that sounds really fascinating until you remember that. Well, first of all, Firefox and Safari have been doing that for a couple of years now. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, in fact, the only browser that is going to allow third party cookies out of the box, and I don't know if this is collusion or just, uh, inattention is going to be edge. But, um, it's, uh, it, they, they've definitely, uh, talked it up. They've made it look sound like we're trying to help you. We're helping you with privacy. Um, this is, of course, an anti competitive move because while Google has several different ways, in, in not least of which your Google account into which you are logged in the browser and they're doing absolutely nothing about not tracking you with your Google account. If you are signed into Gmail, if you are signed into YouTube, if you are signed into anything and you are running the Google browser, then every single website that you hit is reporting to Google what browsing, what, what your browsing was and what it. So uh, you, your, your entire browsing history, you, for, forget, forget side channel attacks where it knows how long your processor took to process a page. Right. This is sending Google the exact URL of every page you click on the entire internet. There, there's a, a bit of a tracking going on there. Um, so what is third party cookies? Well, third party ad sites, Google's direct competitors, uh, people like, uh, say, um, hypothetically, the added uh, advertising agency by our friend Carl from Who Are These Podcasts, um, they don't have the signals that Google has. They don't have your API uh, and SDK in the browser. They don't have the browser sending you everything. All they have is third party cookies to be able to track you around. So if they want to do the thing that Google is doing, which is charitably speaking is trying to serve you ads that are relevant instead of ads that are irrelevant to you. Then the only way they can do that, the only mechanism that is available in most browsers is third party ads. And Google is cutting that off at the nuts. Well, if you are a small advertising marketing company in a small town or anywhere, and a client comes in and says they want to do advertising online, you're going to go buy ads with Google and Facebook. Because that's where everything is. It, it almost has to be. Yeah. It's sad, and, but that's the, you, that's not like you could go and be like, Oh, well, you want to, you know, guy running a pizza place where, I mean, even if it's a huge, well, if it's a huge chain, you're a little different, but oh, you want to run ads for people in the Chicago area and you want to run that on CNN or Fox News. You can't just call them up and be like, can I put my ads on there? The, the way to do no, it. You, 
you've got to go through a web. It's not even just one agency. You can't talk to an agency that talks to CNN. You, you got to talk to your agency, which talks to the ad exchange, which talks to uh, a, a different level of exchange, which then talks to an agency that represents uh, a conglomerate, which then talks to the specific agency, which represents CNN, which, and, and of course, every one of them takes their middleman cut. Well, yeah, they got to make their money. Why, why don't you want them to make their money? Because middlemen are inefficient in, in an economy. Now, I, I mean, I know you said there might be some collusion. There was just an article, uh, just a brief mention on a few different sites just three days ago that Microsoft Edge will now match Google Chrome's four week release cycle. So they're sinking. It's like women when they're in the same house yeah. and they, their periods all start sinking. Microsoft Edge and Google Chrome. They're simpatico now. Yeah, they've been I mean, they've been lockstep on a lot of the technology for for a while now, especially you know, since Edge decided that that Microsoft and and maybe this is a perfectly reasonable Microsoft realized that they're not really competing in the browser market. So they decided to jump on with Google, the, the biggest competitor and say, yeah, we're we're them, but just reskinned. Okay, right. you know, I, I I get that you're doing this, but I, yeah, they're they're definitely in bed, which is hilarious when you have uh, you know and, and other stories in the news where Microsoft and Google are viciously sniping at each other over whether or not Google uh, gave in to Australia on the media uh, subject. Yeah, let's pay for news. I, let's pay for clicks. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, I, I, I've always liked Brad Smith, the, the general con- counsel at Microsoft. He's been there. Guy, he was, he was there before I was, and that was almost 20 years ago. Um, but he, uh, he is a lawyer and lawyers by nature couch their words. But in every case where he knows that he's not going to get in legal trouble for what he says, he just lets it fly. And the guy's entertaining to listen to. If you ever hear a, a Brad Smith interviewer or comments, it's it's usually worth at least seeing what he's saying, because he is vicious at sniping at other co- uh, companies. I didn't what pull any of the do. notes for that. I'd be reading them right now. That's what good lawyers do. But I mean, we can go out on a story about oh, lawyer. I, I wasn't done with the Google one. Oh, there's more. Oh, I have. I, I had the, the technical part, the part that everybody tunes out for. Um, Google has has decided that they're going to replace their third party cookies with two new technologies that I wanted to tell you about. Ooh, new technology. Are they are they crispier? Do they stay longer in milk? Uh, they they stay longer in a database with your personal information. Ooh. Um the the first one is uh Google has something called Trust Token API. Um, the, the quote from this one was to help combat fraud and distinguish bots from real humans without passive tracking. And as almost any webmaster has realized that there is a real problem caused by bots. If you, if your infrastructure is not set up to handle automated requests, then somebody who goes and sends a bunch of automated requests can very easily overwhelm your infrastructure. And when you are faced with problems like that, it's really easy to go out and try to use something like reCAPTCHA, which is the most horrible software in the web Agreed. or something else where you want to, I mean, any webmaster wants to allow humans and disallow bots. Um, this is very destructive to the web though. Uh, the reason being that new technologies rely on being able to automate the layers underneath. 
And when you don't allow automation because you block bots, what you're doing is forcing human attention to what you're doing, which might be great for your short version of the uh, one website or one piece of software, but it, it precludes the ability to innovate on your website. And I, I don't like that in general. There are a number of other reasons. For example, reCAPTCHA is the most horrible thing in the world, but it sounds like Google is trying to come up with alternatives. And one of the alternatives is they have, uh, they've actually released this in beta, an API called trust tokens. Uh, and it, it, it involves an interaction between an issuer and a publisher. An issuer will issue a cryptographic token, which is stored in your browser to a user that they trust. And that token will make some kind of claim about a user. Usually, you know, the, the one that they push or that they, that they give in as example is, uh, this user is a real person and not a bot. And that token can be cryptographically verified for that claim alone. But the, the, the selling point from Google is, uh, what it doesn't do is identify a user. It just says, if you have this token, then it, you can present it to somebody who wants to know if you're a bot and they will just accept that you're not a bot. Um, the, they, they want to use this kind of as a, a replacement for cookies because you can make, you know, cookies store personal data. Um, you're not going to use it to replace cookies for login, but you are going to use it to replace a cookie that says, uh, you know, I, I've signed the terms of service, for example. Um, I've, I've read the privacy policy and clicked accept. That's always stored in a cookie and you can instead store it in a token. The interesting thing about these is if it, if it works correctly, um, you end up effectively commoditizing a, a claim about a user in a way that theoretically doesn't store personally identifying information, which is good. I like, I like the technology. I don't necessarily like the fact that Google is controlling it. Yeah. When you put anything that's called trust in it and then putting it yeah, up, the by words Google. trust and Google don't belong together. Yeah. They, they don't mix. The the second technology that Google has brought up and and uh, uh, trust tokens is is one way that they are using to implement this uh, is called federated learning of cohorts, which is uh, they are they're they're really really pushing the PR angle on this one, saying this is the basis of how they're saying we're not going to track you online, which is kind of bullshit. But what they're not doing is tracking an individual's action online. Instead, all of that browsing history that your browser is collecting on you anyway is going to be collated by an algorithm, and the algorithm is going to create some demographic or uh, use uh, some facts about you and store them in tokens, which then get passed around to every website for the purpose, of course, of giving you relevant ads, um, a, a possible interest or fact that it will do. It, obviously, there's going to be demographic information. I would be really surprised if they don't have a, a token that you hand around and is carried in your browser that says this person is white and then a website can use that and read it and say, okay, in that case, we're going to give them the degraded one because they're too privileged or something. I don't know that that's total speculation. In fact, they don't mention demographics at all, but they do mention interests and uh, it's 
Do you remember on, uh, you know, it was, it was huge on blogs about 10, 15 years ago. Every blog had the word cloud, right? The, the, where you have a giant uh, graphic that has a crap ton of words all over it. And the bigger words are the ones that were used more often. Right. So you well, knew what think was, about, was being posted about allegedly. Think about building that using the inputs is your browser history. You, the list of all the domains you ever visit, the list of URLs, the list of things you click on, build that and come up with a set of interests. Like I have tracked everything Darren O'Neill has done online. And I know that he is interested in uh, Frank Sinatra and microphones and uh, podcasting. And so we're going to build cohort tokens around those three things. And he is now in the category of Frank Sinatra fans. And he is in the category of the, the, the I mean, they keep using the word cohort. I'm not really sure what that means in this context. So in right. the same category, right. Cause but you would just think he, like related yeah, to, he friend. is in the cohort of pod. And what happens then is you visit, visit another site somewhere else. And the site can say, uh, give me a list of cohorts or uh, actually I'm not sure the, the API is not finalized on this. So I don't know if the site says, give me a list or if it just says, you know, tell me if this is in the cohort of podcasters. I don't know how well that would work, but um, ultimately the site is able to get a demographic and interest, a cohort information about you. And they are not technically tracking you personally. They are putting you into a bunch of identity categories. This, by the way, this is very Google because Google is an incredibly leftist society and it, it is part of the leftist culture to want to drop everybody into identity categories and erase their individuality. And I don't want to bring any more politics than that into it. Other than that was definitely the vibe I was getting, but they are, uh, maybe it's a good thing that they're not saying, here's everything I know about Darren O'Neill and instead saying this user that has visited your site is now a member of these 317 categories and go ahead and advertise to me based on that, which if your only goal is to target advertising, to make advertising more relevant to your interests then having a list of your interests is great. Uh, there are some concerns I have about it. And again, this is, this was just a white paper on how to create the algorithm that I read. Well, it's the Facebook um, so model. It, it actually kind of is. Uh, but, but Google wants to put it in the browser and put a oh. shit on everybody, not just people who are in Facebook. Oh, even better. Yeah. Um, for example, we talked earlier about, uh, fingerprinting. Well, what better fingerprint are you going to have than here's a hash of all of your cohort categories that would put you in a very unique category yeah and then people will go ahead and reassemble a personal identity for a profile of you based on those i so i i'm not sure how that gets uh handled uh, there's there's a number of problems but it it was a little fascinating to kind of learn about uh this technique like i said the 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 two big red flags for both of these new technologies, which are interesting technologies, is that I do not trust Google to become the arbiter of these, it, especially if this becomes a standard of everybody does it online and Google controls it. They're just they're just tightening their death grip on the Internet. Well, and, and saying that you're not going to have any personally identifiable information that go along with these profiles is the same thing. A lot of these advertisers have been doing and. Because of the fingerprinting, as we've talked about, 
it's quite easy to put the person with the data. Yeah. I did having uh, one thing we've learned about anonymized data sets is that there's, if there's enough data in there, you can de-anonymize it. So yes. um, uh, replacing we've tracked this user with, we have a, a, an anonymous user who just happens to have all of these exactly. And then if, if there's enough of the categories out there, then that, that becomes, I mean, everything important about your profile is in there. The only thing that's not in that profile is, is maybe it doesn't have your credit card or something, but don't worry. That's on file with Google anyway. Right. They can cross reference. It's fine. They'll charge you. So, I don't know. It's it's a fascinating idea. Um, uh, like I said, I started this story by completely ridiculing Google's worldview, the one that they have to push on everybody, that the only way the Internet can exist is if everybody is tracked and targeted with advertising, which is very, very wrong on a number of levels and and extremely destructive. But given that that's Google's business model, they have to push it. And that's why Google is absolutely the wrong people to be pushing an effort like this. All that said, I think it's really cool technology. Oh, it is. But a company, as you said, that makes a vast majority of their money via advertising might not be the one you want in charge of a system like this. Now, if the EFF or somebody was going to be in charge of something like this, then maybe, but I put in, Putting the keys. This is I think the like, EFF would come down on my side and be like, we don't need to track everybody. Yeah, but this is kind of like giving the uh, alcoholic the keys to the car, you know, and a yes. bottle of booze. Like, hey, you go, here you go. Have a good day. Yeah, I don't know. It's great technology until it's not, which just same thing. Photoshop. It's great to be able to fix your family photos. Yeah. When little that Junior might be the name of the smile. show today. What, which was the now, name? Oh, the name of the show today. It's great technology until it's not. Yeah, it's a long name, but it's the absolute <laughs> truth. It is. I mean, it's great. Maybe little, it's just a theme. If little junior didn't smile in the family photo and you could just go press a few buttons. Oh, good. Now he's smiling. Everything's fixed. Way different than putting your daughter's cheerleading rival's head on a porn star and sending it to people. Totally different concept. Same technology. So it's great technology until it isn't. But one thing that is a certainty in our world today, and that is being woke, will get you fired. Even if you are a tenured, no doubt, liberal professor from Georgetown University, which. See, that's not supposed to happen. Tenure is supposed to put you above this sort of petty garbage. This woman was a professor for over 20 years at Georgetown, a Georgetown law professor which made this story even more delightful there were two georgetown law professors who were talking to each other on a zoom call after a class which was a public call so again you would think you as a law professor would know public call that was going to be posted to the class's website you know you would be aware of what you're saying now this woman Her name is Sarah Sellers, Sandra Sellers, an adjunct professor at Georgetown University, was talking about her frustrations uh, as a professor and the way the students were performing. And she says, quote, I hate to say this. I end up having this angst every semester that a lot of my lower ones, students with lower grades, are blacks. Happens almost every semester. And I'm like, oh, come on. It's some really good ones, but there's also some 
that are just plain at the bottom. It drives me crazy. That was what she said. Now, yeah. Where is the racism in this? I'm not sure. Why are well, people the, the racism might be the fact that she's categorizing people by race and then having angst that that one group is is different than the other. I mean, that might be well, because uh, she has that, to give them low grades. And I, I, but I don't as know far I, as yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the first place that my mind goes is is she is she has decided to think about students primarily as their demographic and not as individuals the 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 purely objective way to look at this would be yeah i've got some students at the top and some students at the bottom and um very little else about that particularly matters we're just going to fail out the ones at the bottom and then we'll have good good students but the idea well i mean it, i mean if if you're at georgetown university you're already pretty far left and so it becomes necessary to be at least a little bit stereotyping and try to dump people into demographic categories. But that is, that is where the first place that she went wrong. Right. And then the place where she got the ire of the woke mob was that she categorized people and the conclusions drawn from applying the data to the categories did not fit the right narrative. It's because I believe she was very in tune with the way it looks when you give these black students lower marks, it didn't matter yeah. if they were actually producing the work or doing uh, the help, whatever they're. And, uh, and like I said, the, 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 the hyper awareness of how are my black students doing is the beginning of the trouble for this person. Uh, yes. You know, there was also another professor, a white guy, David Batson, who just nodded his head to this, who's now under fire because he didn't correct. <laughs> This other woman. How dare you? Nod your head. Yes. This came yeah. from the dean. The quote from the dean. We learned earlier this week that two members of our faculty engaged in a conversation that included reprehensible statements concerning the evaluation of black students. We are responding with the utmost seriousness to this situation. I have watched a video of this conversation and find the content to be abhorrent. It includes conduct that is no place in our educational community. We must ensure that all students are treated fairly and evaluated on their merits. Where did this say the students weren't being evaluated on her merits? She just noticed (laughs) a pattern that the black students don't do as well. You're misunderstanding from the perspective of of a a board, uh, a, a wokeness board in a university. The merits are their skin color. That but is how you have to, to evaluate. We're supposed to recognize their skin color because you, they are now to be elevated. We have to help yes. them more. So that would be exactly you would want to recognize them by their skin color, right? It, it, the, the merits of a, a particular student have nothing to do with their grades in, in modern university. The merit of a student is how many intersectional groups are they in? How how uh, you know oppressed is their demographic? That is the only merit that matters to the woke crowd. How, how good you're doing in school, whether or not you turn in your homework, right. whether Show or not you get the right answer. Yeah. That's all racist. Yeah. That you could do the job. I want to know who's going to hire a lawyer who's a moron. Who's going to hire a brain surgeon that's a moron. Other morons, I guess. Yeah. Other morons. And then fortunately, there's a lot of them out there. See also these companies going full woke because they've hired a bunch of morons. Yes. The Georgetown. What was what was the latest one? Coca-Cola. Oh, yes. Yeah. I have that story, too. We'll save that one for Friday. Uh, okay. The 
Georgetown's Black Law Student Association released this statement. Again, so this is a group of students who are all law students. So we would expect them to understand the law of the land and being innocent until proven guilty and having a fair trial and all that. But no, their quote is this. We demand nothing short of the immediate termination of Sarah Sandra Sellers as an adjunct professor at Georgetown University Law Center, not a suspension, not an investigation. The university must take swift and definitive action in the face of blatant and shameless racism. What's the point of having an investigation or a trial? She's already been found guilty in the eyes of the woke assembly. Yeah. Everybody has. This is coming for you. Just like this. Bow this to like the, the altar. Yeah. This is coming for everybody. If people you don't stand up now. What I think is the most important piece of this story and the reason why it's actually going to have. There's going to be real effects that are going to uh, rumble through academia for a while and is that you, you know, the, the, the juggernaut of wokeness that has been running rampant, uh, the, 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 the woke cancer that has been running rampant through academia for years. Um, it, it doesn't generally encounter a lot of resistance, but there is one institution, one sacred concept in, academic circles in academia which has been around for much much longer and that is you do not fuck with tenure once somebody gets tenure in an academic setting they are locked in they can do or say anything that they want and short of going out and murdering the dean of students on the quad it is extremely difficult to get canceled out of tenure and the woke mob is fucking with tenure at Georgetown. And it will be interesting to see because no matter which way it goes, either wokeness in academia will be told no for the first time ever. And any parent knows that the very first time you ever tell uh, an unruly two-year-old, no, you end up making a mess of things, but they have to be told no. And and that might happen or you sow the seeds of what ultimately becomes the destruction of tenure in the academic setting, which is one of the things that keeps academia and its holy place in society. And 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 maybe if you know, if this particular professor is torn down, it becomes easier to tear down the next tenured professor and the next one. And pretty soon professors start actually worrying about what they say. And some of them might come around and be like, oh, this this beast that we've begotten is gotten out of control. Maybe we don't want everything to be 100 percent woke anymore. And that, too, will be a sign of of the woke cultness falling in on itself either way this could be a turning point this story could be very important well and it has ripples down to the lowest levels of education because i've heard way too many stories of children for whatever reason often minority kids who wind up in high school and can't read because the teachers they had just kept passing them. And this is the mentality at this point. Oh my God, you give a black student a bad grade? Screw that. Pass them no matter what. Pass the buck on to the next teacher. Next teacher does the same thing. You know what you have when these kids get out of high school? Kids that can't get a job because they can't read. They don't understand math. 
And this or, is or where, when they do get a job, they're useless at it. Well, well they are. They're useless. Which what does this do to their life? It screws the kids life oh, up. Yeah. Oh, obviously, the kids are definitely the victims of academia in this situation. They're the ones yes. who who have have not been taught the skills that I mean, not only are they not being taught the the important life skills that academia is supposed to be given, but they are being handed a bunch of very bad skills like like. You know, if I don't get what I want, I just throw a tantrum on social media and then I will get what I want, which is a terrible, terrible life lesson. But that's what people are being taught. Yeah. And then in the grand, they don't know any, you know, I, I would, I would say that these stupid kids are, you know, should know better, but they, they can know better. Who's teaching them? Nobody. And on the Grammy Awards, the people they look up to, some rapper, well, oh, we recreated getting shot in the back by a cop or something on stage. <laughs> you know, and like instead of, you know what you want to do? If you want to help your community, you stand up and say, kids, stay in school. Learning is important and education I, is important. If you don't, don't have know. this, you I don't will. know if I, I, I can't really agree with that anymore. Kids stay in school might be the worst thing that could possibly happen to them. Get homeschooled. Uh, either get way homeschool. yes kids get homeschooled that might be the way to go get an education and understand how this affects the rest of your life when you have law professors at georgetown university not a rinky dink run by night institution being taken down because they're like you know oh i, I get angst because the black students are at the low end of my class and i and i, I feel you know i have this stress because of it I get it because as a white woman, you're like, I don't want to be called racist because, you know, the black kids in my class get lower grades. And this is where you start having a problem because you can't. These law professors, any professor should be able to treat every child the same. But all of a sudden, under this woke world we're living in, if you dare give a black kid a bad grade, they're going to go complain because you're an old white lady. It doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong or doing the right thing. Oh, we're taking this very seriously. That rule, the, you know. I don't know. I'm not even at Georgetown and I have stress in my life now because I know that this is going on and that there are people out there who still respect these institutions, even though this shit's going on. I agree. It's causing me stress. The liberal. It's making me grumpy. Takeover of the education system is real. It's been going on for decades. It's not going to change overnight, but people need to understand this mainly because it has the ripple down effect. So if your kids are in high school or junior high or middle school or whatever, understand what's going on and be involved. And if what they're teaching your kid is not good, get the kid out of the school. That's the only advice I've got. Yeah. I had I had one more quote that was uh, I didn't bring it up during the story because it was scrolled down to the bottom of my notes for some reason. Well, I thought it you were a to- professional podcaster. Who gave you that idea? <laughs> you. That's, I, I, I always look at the source. I get it. Now I understand. Yes. Primary sources only. Right. No, this is this. This this just happened to be from uh, one of the Microsoft blogs that I read when I was reading about the deep fakes uh, issue. Um, and, and I just pulled this quote out. I didn't pull anything else out from the blog, uh, but from Eric Horvitz, who is a technical fellow and chief scientific officer at Microsoft, who wrote this blog. And in the very opening paragraph of it, he said, I was thinking about this problem as I returned home from the World Economic Forum in Davos in early 2019. And I feel like I don't even need to say anything else from that blog. <laughs> Little bit spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Always look at who you're listening to and understand different points of view are real. 
and sometimes are they're right and yeah. sometimes they're not uh, and most of the time they're not but that's okay it, it you know what everybody is wrong sometimes i mean it's never happened to me but it's got to happen eventually i expect it I'll, I'll cry that day probably complain but if you are willing to learn from your mistakes, then you are still an okay person. If you are going to go out and just be arrogant about your mistakes and flaunt them at people, then fuck you. And we'll be back to do more of this on Friday. It is Monday. Yes. On Friday of this week. Yes. For another fun, exciting and ramp filled, no doubt episode of grumpy old Ben's. But until then I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America where the winds are whipping outside and that ain't no deep fake. And from the left coast of America, which is a great country until it's not, I'm Ryan Pembrose. Big!